0: Ladies and gentlemen, the prosecution is not going to get that man today, no, because I'm going to get him!
1: This edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. It is Monday, August twenty eighth, 2017. Looks like we've got some action in the Korean Peninsula. That is to say, North Korea fired off a, uh, a multi-stage uh, ICBM, and it would appear by all accounts, that went over Japan and about landed about halfway to Guam. Now, you're going to hear it broke up into three pieces. Those look like stages, perhaps. Uh, the information is still raw coming in. Uh, but the fact that it went over Japan without interception it should be something that, uh, people might, m- might just be a little bit wary about. But nonetheless. So that's the news, the breaking news that's, uh, um of course the flood uh, in Houston. We have a new port and that's the Port of Houston apparently. Uh, i'm not making a i'm not being funny i mean this is a serious an extremely serious situation in texas we pray for our our, our listeners down there pray for everyone down there uh... in the houston and everyone that's affected by the by the flood but the news that is breaking now is that uh... north korea reportedly fired a uh... an ICBM, uh... perhaps perhaps five hundred plus five fifty kilometers into uh... low earth orbit and uh... Made it halfway to Guam over Japan, um, un, unfettered, unmolested, and it, uh, the report is it broke into three pieces. However, it, uh, I believe it, uh, separated, uh, it would be like a multi-stage type of uh, situation. Now, again, uh, this is raw information, so it's subject to change. Just letting you know that's what the, uh, the situation is. Now, we, we've got a great show lined up for you tonight. We've got in in studio, uh, just a fantastic man. I'll tell you what, this guy, you know, I I I, I just I love this guy. I do. Um, T.C. Joseph, he's the author of this generation series of novels. You know him. You know him. You know his books. You know his books. This generation series. He's in studio with us. He's going to be uh, flying shotgun or riding shotgun with us uh for the first hour and then uh, he's going to be on the two hours talking with us about many things his story is so amazing and he's got some some well, actually he's got so many amazing stories so that's what we have planned peter chauka is going to join us the first hour to talk about what he's written and we've actually got a, a, an in studio audience here as well in addition to in addition to uh, tc joseph we've got my daughter who does ordinarily work in in the office she was somewhat off today actually taking care of uh, uh, some grandchildren so it's um, this is truly a family business and truly a family but with that I'm going to kick it over to you Joe
2: yeah great to be here
1: we do have T.C. Joseph in studio he's actually yes. sitting right across from me folks you can't see it at the moment oh but yeah I should, you know soon. again before I interrupt you one more time I do want to mention the portions of the nice broadcast brought to you by ziprecruiter.com that's right ziprecruiter.com if you own a business you gotta, you gotta go to ziprecruiter.com if you own a business. ziprecruiter.com slash Hagman. ziprecruiter.com slash Hagman. If you're hiring, you, this is the, the place to go. They got a special offer just for Hagman listeners. ziprecruiter.com slash Hagman. And uh, we'll have more on that later. Go ahead, Joe. Now I won't interrupt you. I promise. Yeah, you were talking about
2: North Korea. The South Korean military said the missile flew about 1700 miles, reaching a height of 341 miles. And it was a, uh, this is just the latest in a, a series of tests that North Korea has been launching in the last few weeks, continuing to intensify, and obviously we're going to see some, retor- but, but some this reactions. this far, though,
1: Joe, has been one of the most provocative.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially launching it over Japan. And we will see the responses. Now, there was a number of military drills being held on the South Korean Peninsula, joint military drills by the U.S. and South Korea and um North Korea's leader dear leader was very unhappy about that last week and
1: stated that he was going to continue to conduct missile tests do, do, you, do you know what they're doing he, uh, and tc joseph uh, what are they this, are they? They're launching um, missiles no well that too but uh they're actually using world war ii era biplanes that that are successful in avoiding radar think about that think about that That could carry up to 10 troops or, I don't know, certainly not your grandma's fruit basket. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll see what happens. Also, we have the the flooding
2: in southern Texas. That's a a big deal, and I'm sure throughout the week we'll continue to see more on that as this is not over yet. And we had another uh, battle at Berkeley, if you will with the alt-left Antifa attacking a number of peaceful protesters in Berkeley. 14 people were arrested. There's a few pieces on HagmanReport.com. Folks, go to HagmanReport.com bookmark that site. Uh, there's a of, number of articles up there showing what happened this weekend and some of the media's surprising responses. Uh, one was Joe Scarborough today with Mika Brzezinski as they said that the Antifa group was a fascist group for using the violence the, and the violent tactics to suppress the first amendment that and much more we do have with us peter barry chowka folks he has an article up on HagmanReport.com right now you can go there and check it out it's uh we put it back up to the top of the screen the peter, system is rigged it's great to have you as always what's on your mind
3: well hi Doug. hi joe hey. it's nice to be with you again uh, yeah, why don't we start with that article that is up at the Hagman Report today at the top of the page? That, and makes, that it's made,
1: a, Peter, that, that, that made some people, uh, with a blow. I don't know if you got personal blowback, but just the, the, that, that, everyone should read that article. I, I didn't mean to interrupt it, and I'm going to shut up now, but the article itself just got a lot of response and, uh, wow. Just wow. Go ahead, sir.
3: Well, I'm glad to hear that, and uh, I wish it was actually getting even more response. It uh, was initially published at American Thinker on Saturday, and then I rewrote it and made it uh, even more hard-hitting, I think, when I put it online at the Hagman Report yesterday, where it still is. And uh, this story came to me on Friday, last Friday, through a source. And um, what the source revealed was the raw data from the Nielsen Company rating surveys. Now, Nielsen, we know, is the company that has been rating television programs on cable and broadcast forever since the start of TV, seriously, in the early 1950s. So, uh, of course, the ratings are important because they determine advertising rates that channels or cable channels or whatever can charge for the advertising. And they also determine how we look at uh, at, at these uh, networks. The three cable news channels, Fox, MSNBC, and CNN, are now engaged in a war of attrition for ratings supremacy. So it, it's important to see who's on top. Well, when I got a look at, um, courtesy of my source, at the Raw Nielsen ratings reports from one week ago today, that is Monday, August 21st, I found something very, very interesting. Now, that was the night, you remember, that at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, prime time, President Trump made his first prime time address to the nation on his plans for our going forward with Afghanistan policy in Afghanistan. So there was a big viewership that night. The broadcast channels were covering his speech live, as were the three cable news channels, MSNBC, Fox, and CNN. Now, uh, the Nielsen ratings, of course, rate how many people were watching whatever channel. And they're very sophisticated, and people have raised questions about the legitimacy of how they do it, but we won't get into that for now, assuming that, uh, that all is legit there. But what is not legit is it apparently is up to the channels, the stations, or the networks involved to inform the Nielsen company what's airing, at any given time of the day. So last uh, Monday night at 9 Eastern Time, uh, MSNBC reported that they had a special program with the president's address, and Fox News reported the same thing, basically a special program. They didn't say, oh, it's the 5 on Fox, which normally is on 9 o'clock, and MSNBC didn't say it's not Rachel Maddow at 9 o'clock because she wasn't on the president, was on live uh, speaking to the nation. However, when I looked at what CNN was reporting to Nielsen, it said AC 360, Anderson Cooper 360 from 9 to 9.30 p.m. Well, that's wrong. That's incorrect. That's fake. And the reason it's important, it's not just some minor error. It's important because the uh, ratings for that period at CNN and all the other channels were two or more times higher. There are two or more times as many people watching television at 9 o'clock Eastern last Monday to see the President of the United States give this critical speech. So if uh, Anderson Cooper's show gets credit for that double rating, then it means at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, his ratings are going to be pumped up unfairly compared to the other two channels that CNN is competing with. And it turns out that uh, this is not a complete anomaly. The Wall Street Journal, I discovered, did a story last month about how even the broadcast networks are doing funny things with identifying their programs to Nielsen. For example, the NBC Nightly News on the Friday before Memorial Day, which is a very low-rated night, they didn't want to have to take uh, credit or blame for the low ratings So they misspelled the name of the program that night. Instead of NBC Nightly News spelled correctly, they spelled Nightly, N-I-T-E-L-Y. And when this was reported to the Nielsen Company, and it's all done by uh, computers and bots, there's no human hand in this, so uh, the Nielsen bots reported this as an entirely separate program. So the main NBC Nightly News ratings, spelled correctly, were not sandbagged with this low-rated night. So these are the games that uh, some of the networks are playing, but to their credit, MSNBC and Fox News did not try to pull a fast one last Monday, but CNN did. Now, you know, we've been discussing for months now the rise of fake news, and CNN, in my opinion and in the opinion of many other people, is really uh, in the forefront of the fake news. I mean, they are front and center with uh, fakery like we have never seen before in the mainstream media. But yet it's, it's not easy to prove it. I mean, we can prove it. Sean Hannity proves it on many of his shows by running down what CNN is reporting and how it's not exactly uh, in line with the reality and the facts. But, you know, people on the left, fans of CNN, and, of course, CNN themselves, can make a case, as empty as it might be, that they are doing the public's business, speaking truth to power and all the rest. So it's hard to really nail it down and find a smoking gun there. Well, I felt that when I found this data and and this evidence that this was, in effect, a smoking gun. This was not a mistake on CNN's part. This was an out-and-out attempt to falsify the ratings. And, of course, if they would do that, then what else would they do? Well, we know what else they're doing. They're faking the news pretty much 24-7 on CNN. Uh, now, by publishing this article first in American Thinker on Friday night and had a Saturday dateline date attached to it. It actually was probably not good timing because we're in the last weekend of August. Uh, there's low interest in political news. And of course, on Saturday, the terrible weather situation emerged in Texas and continues to this day. So, understandably, a lot of the media's attention and the nation's attention is on that story. And uh, I was hoping that Drudge might have picked up my story on uh, the fakery at uh, CNN, or uh, Sean Hannity might have tweeted it, as he did. He uh, uh, tweeted a story of mine last week at both American Thinker and the Hagman Report, and I assume you noticed a bit of a... Rise in the page views sure. on that day. Yeah. It was Thursday, yep. and he uh, indicated that uh, to me that he would be tweeting again, but maybe he didn't want to get involved with uh, this kind of, you know, perception of mudslinging at a competitive channel. Although he certainly been very critical of CNN, but uh, you know, maybe this article will be around. It's going to be at the Hagman Report. It will be at American Thinker. And by the way, I wanted to mention that, uh, of course, we're doing this program live today on Monday, August twenty-eighth, 2017. But uh, I assume that many folks will be listening later to a podcast or watching a video podcast on YouTube. And so I would recommend that they track this article down at either American Thinker or really at the Hagman Report. And to make it even easier, I created... Uh, a very simple URL So I now have at this point today 24 articles of mine that have been posted at the Hagman Report uh, since the middle of July. I think it's uh, in 50 days. I've posted 24 articles at the Hagman Report. So it's almost uh, one article every two days. And to make it very easy to find uh, the link to all of these articles, you simply have to go to tinyurl.com T-I-N-Y-U-R-L dot slash P-C-H-2-R tinyurl.com slash P is in Peter C is in Charles H number 2 R very easy and that will take you right to my entire archive of articles in American Thinker uh, as far as I know they'll be there in virtual perpetuity I'm certainly not going to take them down <laughs>
1: I am glad you mentioned that Peter. I didn't tell you this. I didn't have a chance to tell you this. Uh we're having a page uh, where your articles are indexed. Uh, we're going to have a complete page where all of your articles are going to be indexed uh dedicated to you to you because you have done uh as you mentioned 24 in 50 days. I counted them uh I think it was it was yesterday Sunday. And that includes the one you did uh, sunday as well so uh, there will be a page and I'll send you the link in fact it'll probably be something it'll probably have your name it'll be forward slash with your name um your 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 last name uh on there right. so uh, just I to think- let you know it's being worked on right now as we speak so uh, because because of the prolific nature of your writings and this and and folks please it, t- take the latest article and and the, you're right peter this is an amazing to me, it's an amazingly important article uh this tells you everything you want to know about c n n in my view
3: so um uh, wow yeah. their credibility is really challenged uh, we know that we've seen it we're monitoring it daily and it, it really is sickening to watch how that channel has fallen into the abyss of of fakery and uh and, and this, again, to me, is is a smoking gun. It might be a small one, but it's a significant one, and I don't know how they can hope to explain their way out of it. I mean, there's really no explaining it. By the way, um, I wanted to point out we're, we're convening here on uh, August 28th, and this is a, a rather historic day, I think, in American history. It was 54 years ago today that the march on washington for jobs and freedom occurred at which dr martin luther king gave his famous i have a dream speech which he wrote longhand the night before having stayed up most of the night so i don't know whenever whenever august 28th uh, comes around i always think of that i was watching that coverage live at the time it was on all day on all three of the commercial broadcast networks and um of course, books can be written and maybe have been on uh, the background of that march, who was behind it, who was funding it, and what came out of it. But it was a very significant event. You know, last um, oh another thing I wanted to mention too, you know, Doug, uh, your morning show is is seriously impairing my sleep patterns because I've become addicted to checking out your hour long daily morning show at nine o'clock eastern time. Six o'clock Pacific time, and um, you know it, it, it's in the. I think it, it really is presenting Doug Hagman unplugged. Finally, you have time or, to just or let hipster. it all hang out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And really, it's you know I, I I listen to your shows, and of course I I'm enlightened and informed, and agree with just about everything you're you're reporting and analyzing. And then I go to the mainstream media, media even Fox News, and I turn that on, and I think, my God, you know, we're getting the very close to the truth from Douglas J. Hagman, and then we go to the mainstream media, even the best as we consider it, Fox News, and it it just pales in comparison. And this is how deep the issues are now, how serious they are, and it's like every time I have a an appointment to do one of one of these shows, I, I start thinking about it seriously several days before because it's serious business we're engaged with here. I mean, we're we're looking at all of this news, this this full spectrum assault on our minds, bodies, and spirit by the uh, shadow government and the deep state, and it, it's all we can do to just try to keep up with the news as it's breaking, and then. Because of our age, maybe, we've been around for a while and and we can see patterns finally with some maturity that we hopefully have. We're starting to really be able to connect the dots. So that's what I've been trying to do. And one of the inspirations there, too, was um, I heard your interview last week, I believe it was, with David Kupalian of World Net Daily. Yes. Yeah. A superb, superb interview. I was just riveted to what he was saying and how he was saying it and what a fantastic hour that was i would really advise people who missed it to track down that podcast but you know i felt that he's of a similar vintage probably to me he was talking about uh being around and paying attention to the late 50s growing up in the 60s and that's that's my uh, area too i feel like i've been paying attention for about 45 years now and he was asking or actually answering the question, going a long way towards answering, how have we wound up with the United States of today, 2017, when your memory goes back to the 50s and 60s, and it, it was a different reality, it was a different country, it was like a different planet, and um, so, you know, that that's... I mean, we've been on the long march, basically, ever since, since the 1960s, certainly. But even, as you pointed out, I think as recently as this morning, Doug, on your program, uh, uh, you could probably say a 100 years this has been going, with the real onset of the communist uh, foothold, first in uh, the Soviet Union and then spreading worldwide. But we are in the midst of this long march now, which has achieved critical mass, I would argue, and, uh, you know, I was thinking about time. Uh, you think about the 1960s to now, that, that's about 45 years in my experience. 1962, I started paying attention. And if you go backwards from 1962, 45 years, you're in 1907. So that gives you some frame of reference of how much time has elapsed since 1962 to now. But of course, if you look at, uh, films, Videos, TV programs, still photos from the 1960s, even the 1950s, the landscape looks a lot like it does now. There were interstate superhighways, there was suburbia, there was television, telephones, radio, stereo, music, and uh, of course a lot has changed since then, but a lot of it invisible. Whereas if you went back to 1907, you'd be in the Endpoint of the steam age, the transition isn't to the electric age.
1: I mean, thanks for bringing that up. What a difference! You know, you go back a hundred years, and then separate the hundred in half, and, and look at look at the far end of the the century, and versus today, and then look at the the midpoint of the century versus today, in the landscape that you pointed out. I think it's just dramatic. Um, the hundred year dramatic, the fifty year the it's more uh it's more subtle than it is in your face obviously um but uh, I want to ask you this when you're talking about the the, the anniversary 54th anniversary of the Martin Luther King speech um what, what do you think Martin Luther King would say and I was thinking about you today when I because I've got the, uh, I've got a program on my computer show notes you know um and this day in history always pops up so uh, It's amazing, but nonetheless, um, what do you think Martin Luther King would say if he saw what was going on today with respect to civil rights and the behavior of the left and the behavior of Black Lives Matter and the behavior of, well, or the legacy of Obama? What do you think he'd say?
3: Well, that's a good question, and it's sometimes asked. And, uh, you know, I actually I had a personal encounter with Martin Luther King on November 30th, 1964. That was just a year after the, the I Have a Dream speech, and he actually gave pretty much the same speech at an event in Stamford, Connecticut, which was the uh, city next to the town that I grew up in. I was a uh, uh, sophomore in high school at the time, and uh, I attended this event where he spoke. He was introduced by Bayard Rustin, uh, the communist, and uh The thing I remember from that event was, although it was packed, and I had a seat on the stage, I put my microphone on the podium. I was close to him. I photographed him. I shook his hand. I I was riveted to his speech, of course, and I, I have apparently the only complete tape recording of his entire speech because I've researched that and another copy does not exist, although I'm holding on to it because if I try to do anything with it, I'll be sued by the uh, MLK library, which has copyrighted everything he's ever said or done, including recording. But it's it's very interesting because one thing I want to mention about that encounter was Dr. King at that point was not yet walking on water. I mean, his reputation has certainly uh, exploded since then, Uh, partially legitimately, I think you could say, but... You know, he's he's one of these people like... Another one is, is Cesar Chavez, who I also interviewed in 1975 when I was working in non-commercial radio in Washington, D.C. And Cesar Chavez arrived with just one other person, you know, no big deal. Now he's got holiday a holiday named after him in California, schools named after him. I mean, he he's a god, basically, to many folks, as is Dr. King. I remember reading once that... Uh, among school children today I think 97% can identify who Dr. King is or was the next closest is Abraham Lincoln at around 60% so Dr. King has certainly gotten the spin for his legacy in, in the years since but uh, I mean God only knows what he would say today he was sort of moving in a more leftward position when he was assassinated he was planning on um, on on leading an event in Washington, D.C., which was going to be a camp-in on the mall called Resurrection City. And he hoped that thousands of people would uh, go to D.C. and camp out on the mall until certain demands were met. He he was also coming out very strongly against the Vietnam War, and I I wouldn't argue with him about that, certainly, in the light of history, but... um, I don't know. You know, we have his niece to look forward to who uh, appears frequently on uh, Fox News and is a accomplished person in her own right, uh, Dr. Alviva King. And uh, she's, of course, very conservative and has the opinion, which she stated on many occasions, that uh, her late uncle would probably not be in cahoots with Black Lives Matter and Antifa and all the other radical Elements that have taken over what's left of the civil rights movement today. So, I think a case could be made that Dr. King, who was certainly a smart man and one of the best public speakers the country has ever uh, uh, birthed, uh, would not be uh, in sync with these these mad people who are running around today, spouting all of this communist rhetoric, basically. And you know, as as were many. I mean, many of the, the liberals. And he was a liberal, I think, uh, of the and, and, a, and a man of peace by his own admission, and a, you know a follower of Gandhi and Mar- and uh, Henry David Thoreau, uh, and a great writer, of course, his letter from the Birmingham Jail uh, is is oft quoted and oft republished. So, you know, he was a man of thought and learning, and as were many of the uh, liberals and many of the Democrats who were around then. Another one was George McGovern. Senator George McGovern, who I got to know fairly well, worked on his presidential campaign in 1972, and last saw him in uh, 2009 in La Jolla, California, where we reconnected three years before he died. There aren't too many of them left today who are Democrats or liberals who have their heads on straight, but you know, it's really only anyone's guess. But I, I like to think that Dr. King... Wouldn't have, uh, you know, had he not been assassinated, uh, would have only grown and not uh, retrenched at so many left as as so many people on the left have. I mean, a good example of someone who's completely blown it is uh, California Governor Jerry Brown. I had a lot of experience covering him, starting in 1976 when I first met him, and I covered his Senate campaign in '78, his second presidential campaign in 1980 in his final campaign in 1992. And uh, I had to remind myself recently because he's evolved into nothing but the worst kind of identity politics political hack now that he's in his mid to late 70s and in his fourth term as governor, governor of California. And actually in 1975 and 76, he was a very interesting figure who was like a new Democrat said things Things like, we have to move left and right at the same time. Meaning that we have to look for issues that will unite the country rather than divide. Whereas now he's simply a hack Democrat who's into dividing and conquering and uh, you know, open borders advocate uh, a, a complete and total loss. I mean, I just tune him out whenever I see him. I just can't stand him. But yet, I have many tapes I recorded of him, speeches, complete speeches from 1976, interviews I did with him, three or four long-form interviews in which, when I read these things today or listen to the tapes today, I say, how can this be the same person, 40 years, 41, 42 years later, who I was covering back in the day? It's it it really is a commentary on how far we've come, or uh, you know how how we really fallen off the edge as far as the left or liberals are concerned.
2: And, Peter, you know, your analysis of CNN and Fox News from the ratings to what's going on behind the scenes with the personalities, I don't know if you caught the first, uh, just the very beginning of the show, I wanted to make sure I asked you this. Yeah, yeah and sorry for knocking you off track. Go on. The We continue to see the, the violence over the weekend at Berkeley and we've seen the news media, both in the print uh, and the mainstream continue to not only cover it up but to uh protect the antifas and the groups that are uh, committing the violence today we saw joe scarborough call antifa a fascist organization that is oppressing free speech and you know went on to, to give some other criticisms of antifa also the washington post today came out and did a story um calling them you know violent uh, the violent left and and kind of um, telling the other side of the story most, more so than they have done I, I want to ask you do you believe that you know we're seeing this due to the American citizens pushback uh, vocally against the media for not for lying about uh, these you know domestic extremist groups or do you think they have another agenda in mind when they do this
3: oh I'm sure they have agendas in mind the question is which one I think your first point there that uh, they are now Aware that there's pushback and that their ratings are falling. In in the the case of uh, uh, CNN, certainly, and uh, and they may get a run for their money. MSNBC may get a run for its money soon when the Fox schedule changes this fall. And as I've reported, and we'll see if this is true. Sean Hannity moves to 9 p.m. and gives Rachel Maddow a run for her money. But uh, you know, newspaper circulation is down everywhere. Newspaper advertising is down and uh, the newspapers that are left are largely running on fumes now so if they continue to anger uh half of their potential readership by continuing to report not only fake news but absurdly fake phony news uh you know they they're, they're going to really be cutting into their own bottom line which they haven't seemed to be that concerned with but push is going to come to shove here soon you know i there was uh, the washington post speaking of them they ran a piece several days ago by Todd Gitlin. Uh, he's an old SDSer and, uh, hardcore leftist from the 60s who has been teaching at Columbia University for several decades. And he's, he's a, uh, considers himself a scholar of the 1960s, a spin doctor of the 60s, of course. But he wrote a kind of interesting piece, a little bit off the, The track from what we've seen. And again, he's a hardcore leftist. And he uh, kind of defended the left and bashed the right, saying the right in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s was using tactics similar to what uh, Antifa and the radicals are using today. In my opinion, it was a weak case, but he tried to make it. But then he ended the article, and I read it quickly. I have to go back and really look at it more closely. But... uh, I skimmed it last night. He ended his article in the Washington Post two or three days ago. This is Todd Gitlin, I'm referring to, G-I-T-L-I-N. He ended by giving uh, mild criticism to Antifa, and I thought, well, at least that's something. But I don't expect these characters on the left, either their vehicles, their venues, their uh, news channels, their publications, to really wake up and start uh, reporting accurate news. I think they're just trying to, uh, cover their butts at this point and not lose their total audience or total credibility. But yeah, it is surprising. I didn't see that thing with, uh, with Joe Scarborough today. That, that is a surprise. But, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going on there? I mean, I, you know, in my three and a half months of reporting, uh, obsessively on the cable news wars, and I think I've written 40 articles for American Thinker in that period of time on the cable news wars and Fox News and uh, quite a few for the Hagman Report developed sources at Fox News uh, read everything I can and open sources and uh, it's a story that really is difficult to comprehend what's going on at, in the media today the media is so centralized and big and rich Fox News I think makes something like a billion dollars a year in profits uh, through advertising and fees they get from the uh, cable providers. And uh, I, I mean, these are really big stakes. So you can imagine the machinations that are going on behind the scenes that we never see. And just the little hints I get from my sources at Fox News, uh, you know, it really boggles the mind when you, you get any kind of insight. And of course, a lot of it I can't report. Because the sources are confidential, and to keep them going, I, I can't really uh, say at this point what I'm being told and, most and of Peter, the time. And
1: Peter, I'd like you to speak to that. And by the way, uh, I want to thank Global Story Network for allowing us to skip the bottom of the hour break because Peter Barry Chowka has got such great information. But uh, uh, you know, it's often said now in journalism because, uh, and I've never seen this like this before. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a journalist. I'm an investigator, but I'm, de- I'm used to dealing with confidential sources. All right, so I mean, I get that <laughs> whole thing, um, and I'm also used to dealing with the media to some extent, and, and I know that I, I know how the media is fed from from a, an investigative point of view on stories, especially on the local level. But all that said, um, what what in the world? Everyone seems to be scared to talk, uh, or no, I'm sorry. Everyone seems to be afraid to give their name uh when they're mm-hmm. talking to, to to people like yourself to me the, I don't use my name because you know I, I'm gonna lose my job i'm gonna or worse
3: i mean it's that bad out there isn't it um it's it's even worse I had an experience a couple of weeks ago where I quoted um no, i didn't quote uh a source at Fox News that is a uh a source that that should be on the record, and I'll just leave it at that. Let's say they have a position where they often talk pretty much on the record. So this source gave me some information, and I didn't use the source's name. I simply reported what the source had told me without alluding at all to who the source was. As soon as the article went online, and I shared it with this source, at 3.30 in the morning, Eastern Time, I got an email asking me to amend that part of the article and delete the report that I was saying without quoting the source by name. I thought, hey, that's really a new level of sensitivity that I've never seen before. I mean, there was no way to identify who that source was. It wasn't even a controversial comment, per se. But I took it down. I didn't want to, uh, you know put that person's job in jeopardy, and it wasn't really critical to the article. So I'm, I'm happy to oblige and something like that. But, you know, that was a learning experience for me where I thought, you know, I, I have not seen it all yet. We're getting into even stranger territory than we have in the past. But, yeah, there's, you know, people talk about the 1950s when they bash uh, Senator Joe McCarthy, tailed Gunner Joe. Who I know both you and I have, Doug, have uh, quite a bit of respect for, actually, when you know the true story of Amen, where he was brother. coming from. Amen. But, uh, you know, the, the, the meme that we have about the 1950s, oh, it was a McCarthyism and this climate of fear and blacklists. And by the way, most of the people who wound up on the temporary blacklist deserved to be there. They were communists, car carrying communists. But anyway, um, uh, You know, I I would argue it's as bad or worse today because of the fear that is pervasive. And, you know, not least because... I mean, just to follow up on on where I was going uh, a little while ago, when I mentioned the passage of time from the early 60s to now, and there have been profound changes in these 40, 45 years, four decades or so, many of which we don't see. And one of the things we don't see, obviously is the transition from the analog or the electric age to the digital age. And how this translates now, I think, in an area we're concerned with, is surveillance, monitoring, and control. I mean, it damned well obvious by now, and should have been for a decade or more, that every single thing we're doing, saying, emailing, doing online, if not thinking in our private thoughts... Is being recorded somewhere in a huge database by the federal government, and you know, isn't it interesting that when President Trump made the uh, allegation uh, six months or more ago that he had been wiretapped, he and his people were being wiretapped uh, before he took office, right? And uh, everybody jumped on him. The mainstream media, the other politicians, even most Republicans say, "What we're saying? What are you talking about? You know, this is crazy." Well. These months later now, it's being pretty much admitted that, uh, well, we, we hear the term unmasking, that these various Obama uh, administration figures unmasked these uh, wiretaps for surveillance or transcripts on all these different people, hundreds of people who were under surveillance, many of them in the Trump campaign. So there is evidence right there. That there was wiretapping and surveillance going on, but the dots are not being connected, right? So, it, you know, we're we're into really deep water now with the surveillance. But you know, I have and, to say that. And thank you
1: for bringing that up. The analog, the digital, to me, it degraded the signal as far as I'm concerned, but it allowed for packets of storage to be uh, to be minimized. So um, instead of these big tapes, of course, and and uh, the analog style, now, now it's stored on digitally, and you can you could fit. Uh, Library of Congress on you know, I'm kidding, you know the size of a pack of cigarettes for a lot you get the idea and how
3: inexpensive it is, yeah. Doug. I yep. mean ten years ago, I mean, I've been into computers and the internet for about twenty three years now. I was a really early adopter of the world wide web, and storage used to be a real problem, and even and, you know I remember i I have receipts of everything I bought, like hard drives, USB drives, computers. Ten years ago. I think it was like thousands of times as expensive to get storage that, you know, compared to today. I mean, the price today is not even pennies on the dollar. It's micro pennies on the dollar from what it cost 10 years ago. So this translates into what is possible for the government to uh, pay for storage. Of course, they have unlimited funding anyway with these humongous uh, buildings that they've got, like in Utah and elsewhere the size of many football fields were just loaded with computers and storage facilities to store everything. It's it's easy to do now and they're doing it. We know they're doing it. I mean people like William Binney from the NSA have been saying for years that they're doing it. So but it doesn't seem to trouble most people. But this is a way that we're into the digital age now and we don't even see it. It's kind of invisible, you know, it might be in the palm of your hand in terms of your phone, but people aren't relating to that. When they're working their phone and looking at Facebook or whatever they're doing and yet I think this is ha- this this kind of assault on our psyche our our again mind body and spirit is contributing to that level of paranoia and fear we know that we're being listened to and monitored and though those of us who have had to get beyond it because of the work we do are just saying well the hell with it you know what are you gonna do well we're not going to defeat it they're gonna know what we're doing even if we don't broadcast it or write about it to talk about it, so we may as well let it all hang out now. we've got no option left and let the chips fall where they may where they may, but you know for a lot of people, especially when they have jobs to protect uh they're not going to go there they're not going to even begin to think of going there
2: Peter we uh you know what we see with these uh political rallies we uh, just this last week in in Berkeley what we were just talking about. It was a a patriot prayer rally. Now, the media turned around and labeled it a white supremacist alt-right rally, which stoked the protesters and counter-protesters to come. We've seen a, a rash of these rallies popping up all over the country, whether it is somebody trying to promote a white supremacist agenda But more often than not, it seems to be, uh, just members of the left and or right promoting free speech and being met, uh, by these Antifa and uh, Black Lives Matter type protesters. The, the latest one was an anti-Marxist rally that had to be canceled in order, uh, because of these protesters. Do you think that people should stay away from these types of rallies? At least till this stuff cools off. Do you think it, they should engage it, in these types of? And rallies? the reason he's yeah. asking yeah. you
1: this is because we had this conversation earlier uh, about about this very topic, and I'm not sure what the answer is. So we look we look to the good looking intellectual out there, our guest Peter Barry Chaka, to to answer that question.
3: You guys ask good questions, and they're not always easy to answer, which is a sign of a good question. They require thought. My initial thought as someone who uh, in the 60s and 70s um, demonstrated or covered demonstrations more often than not in Washington, D.C., where I was spending uh, a lot of my formative years, I have to say uh, I, I don't like the thought that we have to stand down and not express ourselves in a peaceful, literate, informed way. You know, I understand the the danger that lurks out there. I mean, I, I would rather see organizers of uh, of credible, peaceful, uh, conservative or traditional constitutional rallies uh, appeal to the police in that community or the political structure and demand protection. I mean, this is what the, uh, you know, in, in a number of these, yeah. like in Charlottesville, we saw, I mean, that Charlottesville ha- has so many questions written all over it, you don't even know yeah. where to begin. And if not with a, a big false flag with a capital F-F, it looks to me like there were a lot of little false flags coming together there and manipulating the situation, you know, from the organizer of the original event on down, but you know, whatever, uh, the event in Boston that really wasn't able to take place because I think there were 20 or 40 people on the common who were trying to demonstrate for free speech against four, upwards of 40,000 rabid counter demonstrators and the events in Berkeley, uh, this past weekend. You know, I just think that, uh, you know, it, well even looking to the 60s now, you know, we were talking about Dr. Martin Luther King and his uh, compatriots earlier. And, of course, they put themselves, they put their bodies on the line to fight segregation and, and a very violent political police state apparatus in the Jim Crow South. And uh, they earned their stripes in so doing. And uh, a lot of them got beat up. Uh, some of them were killed. And, of course, I'm not advising anybody to become a... Uh, you know, to put their lives on the line to the extent that they're going to endanger their lives. But I, I think there's got to be a happy medium here. And if we withdraw and allow the violent left to intimidate us or those of us who are young enough to go out on the streets and and have their say, then we've really lost something. And I don't know if we're going to get it back. If we give up that right, you know, what what's next? Will we ever? will we ever be able to resume or reclaim that right if we give it up now. So I, I would say be very, very cautious by canceling rallies. Now, I did notice that there's some supposed uh, Nazi or Daily Stormer planned rally for late September somewhere. You know, you have these tiny, I mean, they're either real crazy groups, small as they are, or... They are very likely inspired by, if not infiltrated by the government to whip them up into a frenzy that will interest the media you know meanwhile um I mean this is more fake news, more fake news that the alt right conservative constitutionalists are violent, racists uh hate mongers, white nationalists this is this is so completely absurd. I'd like to take a moment, because I think you were talking about this on your show this morning, Doug, uh, Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Yes, sir. Who is, he's going to appear, I believe, on Hannity's Fox News program, which will begin airing after this program. Ends at 10 p.m. Eastern time. But he gave a 16-minute uh, interview this morning to Brian Kilmeade on the Fox radio network. And... uh I got a line on that, uh, actually, from Fox News PR. has been sending me all their releases. So I listened to it and took some quick notes. I just wanted to hit a few high points because I have tremendous respect for Dr. Gorka, as as I know you do as well. Yes, sir. And this was an excellent interview because he had 16 minutes. Now, on Hannity's show later, which is probably being taped as we speak, unless they do it live tonight, uh, he'll get maybe three to five minutes. So. Just run down some of the high points. He said, uh, and this was done live this morning with Dr. Sebastian Gorka and Brian Kilmeade. Dr. Gorka said that he's participating in several initiatives right now to form new organizations which will help President Trump move forward with his original MAGA, Make America Great Again agenda. He said he's currently negotiating with Breitbart to possibly return to an editorial position there. He criticized uh, Secretary of State Tillerson for what Tillerson said yesterday, on one or more of the Sunday shows, when he appeared to put distance between himself and President Trump uh, in the wake of the Charlottesville um, incidents, uh, Gorica emphasized that he's not here to attack the administration or any of the current members, but he wants to support President Trump from outside. He described Trump as the insurgent and said that on January twentieth, twenty seventeen, a there was a hostile takeover of, in effect the shadow government and the deep state by President Trump. He also said the GOP thinks they won the election, but they didn't. Actually, a New York real estate mogul won the election. He said as of this moment, in his opinion, there are only four real believers, that's his term, in MAGA left at a senior level in the White House. He didn't name them and said he won't. Uh, He said there are In contrast, a lot of people in the White House working for President Trump who would have been perfectly comfortable working for Hillary Clinton if she won the election. He also said the Obama administration played dirty, again, his quote, uh, by trying to sabotage, his quote, the incoming administration. He mentioned something about the Obama outgoing administration managed to spend one quarter of the fiscal year budget White House management on their hacks, either to see that they were kept in power or he, he really didn't wow. specify what he's talking about, but that's grounds for further research there. He said, right now the wrong people are at the helm in the White House and we're going to try to right it from outside. Of course, he's speaking pretty much in sync with uh, Steve Bannon there, too. And he ended by saying that uh, the fake news industrial complex, which apparently is a term that he coined. That's in right. Yep. Is out of control. <laughs> so, you know, in a 16-minute interview, I have to say, I was riveted to listening to it. Oh, and by the way, I, I created a quick URL. If people want to track down that interview, MP3, to either stream or download it, it's not that easy to find, but here's how you can find it. Go to tinyurl.com slash gorka. 828. Once again, tinyurl.com slash G-O-R-K-A, the numbers 828 for today's date. And that URL, that tiny URL will take you right to the 16 minute interview with Dr. Gorka, which I would recommend to anyone who really wants to get a great, up to the minute insight from someone who is dedicated to President Trump and who uh, had to leave the administration's employ, obviously, but well worth hearing and and studying, paying close attention to.
1: Well, you know, I I had uh, done the article um, that I began it by saying that it was not what we're seeing is not like a, a multi-dimensional chess match as some people want to believe. It's a street fight. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what, what my my thought is, and uh, that uh, I did uh, that the fake industrial news complex. He admits to um, someone else in near him creating that, and then him using that, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, and of course, that lines right up with uh, Sean Hannity's the Detroit Destroy Trump Media, uh, but the. Uh, I just think, you know what, uh, I would, and again, when I wrote this article, I was thinking about you and Sean Hannity and talking about, or talking about Gorka. um uh, The, uh I can almost see the, I just, I can almost see this, this rending of personnel inside the White House. So I'm glad to, I'm glad to know. Uh, the item that, that you, if you don't mind repeating that, the office of the, or the budget, a quarter of the budget was, was, Spent on keeping um, Obama minions in, in power, or in in the right? Because
3: apparently, apparently, I mean, I have to listen more closely to the, the interview. Although he kind of went over it quickly, that particular point. Uh, yeah, apparently, a lot of the White House staff in the West Wing uh, it transitions from one administration to the next. Either that, or President Trump and and his uh, appointed top people have not yet had the ability to clean out the Obama holdovers or the rhinos or whoever they are, the people not committed to make America great again, and put in people who who agree with that agenda. And, of course, now it may be an uphill battle with uh, the new chief of staff and some of the others who are in there. We will, we will see. But, um, you okay. know, all we can do is try to hold his feet to the fire that is the president of the United States. And uh, I'm glad to see Gorka is going to be out there, Dr. Gorka. Steve Bannon. I've been checking out Breitbart.com a lot in recent days. They uh, are supposedly the number 67th most popular website in the United States, so they're getting a lot of page views. And uh, I'm I'm really pleased to see that they're really in a very good fighting spirit right
1: now. Peter Chowka, thank you so much for joining us. By the way, we've created a special um, URL for you. It's HagmanReport.com slash author slash P Chauka, but um, we'll create a, a hyperlink to that for all of your articles, all in one place on the Hagman Thank report. Thank you so much. Hey, have a
3: great rest of the show and God bless.
1: God bless you. Thank you so very much. Thanks, on the Peter. other side, um, TC Joseph is in studio. I think he's got a suntan now after being baked <laughs> by the uh, lamps. Um, yeah, now we're you gonna know, have a- you know right. He's going to be with
2: us for the rest of the show here in studio, and we're going to get into a number of things, including uh, his books, and we got a few of them right here, folks. Don't go anywhere. On this edition of the Hagman Report, we will be right back.
1: but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG Chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP-proof. And it's environmentally friendly, it, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid. When other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night, go to GreenInnovative.com. That's GreenInnovative.com.
0: You should have a minute man, the survival stove and an m o k plantations
1: Hey, welcome back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman Report. Did you notice we shortened that to the Hagman Report? There has been a coup. It's Joe Once Hagman, months,
2: At first it was right. Hagman, the Hagman and Hagman Report. Then you would say Hagman Report. I'd say Hagman and Hagman Report. That went on for a number of months, and now it's just down to the Hagman Report.
1: Or H2H or HH2, or I don't know. how. I don't know anymore. All I know is uh, last night, yesterday, uh, a, a A supporter of this show but more importantly a tremendous author a guy who's got a brilliant mind in my view after speaking with him uh arrived and uh for a uh visit a well i mean i i was looking forward to this visit and i have not yet been disappointed his name is tc joseph he's written three books it's a trilogy this generation series if you don't have them you should buy them go to amazon.com and buy them you can go to this generation learn about the books three books precipice pentecost and penance i've got two of the three right here the third or the second one is actually in my neighbor's hands that's right my neighbor but here's the the, the first one uh precipice now we, we had dinner last night and we, we got to know each other real well and Joe and I and John and, uh, he's got an amazing just an amazing story uh, he's r- written an amazing books he's a brilliant brilliant man as far as I'm concerned so he's coming on with us we actually uh, Eric actually positioned him in the uh, guest chair uh, just fresh out of the green room where the uh, uh, everything was catered uh, he's fresh out of hair and makeup and uh now seated in the guest chair, actually, if he tell you, he might, he might, he might, uh, he might tell you what's really going on. In that case, it would be, there goes our reputation, right? Um, but I, I want to be serious, serious for a moment. Uh, Peter Barry Chaka was our guest last hour. We, 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 because of his fantastic writing. And please, I, I ask you this: there are things going on in the background. Not here, not right this second. But things going on in the background that you don't quite that we can't tell you. We he alluded to, to one. I think he might have slept, Peter Barry Chuck. But tweet out his story. I don't care. I don't care if it's from American Thinker or the Hagman Report. Tweet out his article about CNN. It's going to do. It's going to go a long way. Or or publish it on your Facebook. Copy the whole thing and publish it on Facebook. I don't care what you do. Get that information out there. You want to strike back at the deep state, you want to strike, or I'm sorry, you want to strike back at the shadow government, which the deep state is a part of, that's what you need to do. Um, that article specifically. And then go to American Thinker and uh, attach the Murdoch voice as well. That's another one. Uh, so having, am I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to make, um, I don't want to make TC Joseph wait too much longer, but I do have a couple of announcements. Uh, our, our hearts right now are broken, and I mean that. Um, a listener in the chat, uh, 222 Mission lost her daughter today at 43 years old. Let's all pray for, I mean, please say a prayer for this listener of our show 222 Mission I'd like to know your real name send it an email your daughter's name I I can't imagine I can't imagine losing a daughter I can't imagine losing a child an offspring I don't care if they're 4, 43 or whatever age but our hearts go out to you. <sighs> wow. And, um, of course, flooding in Texas, uh, we're keeping an eye on that. And North Korea, that story is going to be hitting the wires or should be hitting the wires about North Korea firing an ICBM. Before you get to T.C. Joseph, are you, do you own a business? One of the biggest headaches in the world is staffing your business. Are you hiring? Do you know any, do, you, do you know where to post your job? to find the best candidates the challenge of finding someone that fits the job it it's it's a it's a, sometimes it can be a daunting endeavor well this company ziprecruiter.com has made it so easy for you you're going to thank me with ziprecruiter you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one single click then their powerful technology efficiently efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else no one does it better trust me on this that's why ZipRecruiter recruiter is different unlike other job sites ZipRecruiter recruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you it finds them in fact 80 percent of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter recruiter get a quality candidate through the site within one count them one day one day No juggling emails or calls to your office. You just simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, listeners to this program, The Hagman Report, right now can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. That's ziprecruiter slash dot com slash Hagman. One more time to try for free. Go to ziprecruiter dot com slash Hagman. You will thank me later. And I've heard from a number of business owners who have used this and uh, they love it. They love the ease. They love the dashboard. They love the, uh, in fact, uh, they've used it with success. So ziprecruiter dot com slash Hagman. Go there. Do it now. You won't be sorry. Joe, I'm going to turn it over to you as promised we have in studio guest
2: tc joseph again he's the author of a number of books and we have a few of them here precipice this is the first book this is the only one in
1: the series i've read so far still got to read the other two oh you oh you you want me a spoiler alert but okay no i'm just kidding
2: no but uh very good books uh, and yes, we had a great time uh, last night at dinner. And he's been in studio today for a little bit. You
1: ch- check the feet, and, and check his garb, Joe's garb. Noah, yeah. your your attire from yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but but seriously, we had a great time. Man. And and TC Joseph. Yes, we did. And uh,
2: yeah. and we have uh, TC with us in studio, and he's sitting right across from me, folks. You're gonna
4: see him on camera. Yeah. TC, how's yeah. it going? Yeah. It's going great. Listen. I'm totally excited to be here. You guys are kind of like heroes for me. I've been listening to you for years, and um really, uh, seriously, I, a lot of times, breathlessly. Doug, now I have to admit, I do listen to you when I'm on the treadmill, but, but I'm breathless
1: when I'm listening to this you. This guy's—I'm breathless. Yeah, cracking up. So ago. now that you've, you, you've
4: come in the studio and you see how it works, have uh, has the bar been lowered? No, I'm, I'm more impressed. I'm okay. more impressed. Okay. And, you know, it's. I think really, it's Eric the Tech, right? I mean, he just he just raises the bar. He's That's the glue. They, yeah, <laughs> he's the glue oh, that holds man. it all together. <laughs> See,
1: what you are seeing is all an illusion. Eric the Tech makes it look like you know it's true.
4: I yeah, mean, it's fascinating. Uh, it really is. This is this is a fascinating production you got. Yeah. So listen, place. my, I this is my first row interview. Okay. So. um... I, I'm probably going to make you work a little bit more than Chalka did. My God, you just point to him and he goes. He's pretty fascinating.
1: That, that's it, uh, that's what we do. We just say, "Go ahead, <laughs> talk," and and we just talk among
4: of, No, I'm kidding, but yeah. I, now, the, he's he's just so full of knowledge. It's it's really really incredible to listen yeah. to him. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know how you want to do this. You want me to explain a little bit about well, who I am, or you know yeah. what? Yeah. Look,
1: if Joe, if you want, I mean, yeah. Who
4: are you, TC Joseph? I'm yeah, I <laughs> tell,
1: t- because uh, this he's got a fascinating story, but.
4: You know, I I, um, I grew up in uh, in Pennsylvania, and I ended up working in Manhattan for thirty years. I was the controller of a, of a Fortune ten company, had about a hundred billion dollars of revenues a year, um, and was happy doing that for for a, a large part of my life. <laughs> in uh, September eleventh, two thousand one, I lost my baby sister, um, in in the World Trade Center attacks. And that prompted a, a move, a move to get out of New York, although it was probably another eight years uh, before I moved. Um, what happened, my mother had a massive stroke, and I moved back to Pennsylvania to take care of her. And so basically what happened then is I started to make up imaginary friends and write them down, and then the books came to light. And so that's how I became an author. Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't know if you want to get into it, Doug, but the you know the nine eleven experience was was very very intriguing. The story um, you told about nine eleven about the, the Holy uh, Spirit moving. Yeah, you know, I, I know people can relate to that. So if you don't mind, no, I, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, I'd love to mm-hmm. hear that. I was working in around 42nd Street, and I have two sisters, uh, an elder sister, a younger sister, and because I write under a pseudonym, I'm, you know, I'm, I'll just. Not really, give their names, but um, m- m- the elder the elder sister was right by the World Trade Center, and when she sh- when the first plane hit, she ran into the concourse, um, hoping to get to um, our other sister. And while she was there, the second plane hit. Uh, as that was going on, I was at Forty Second Street. My secretary uh, came into my office and said something's really going on in the World Trade Center. So I took the subway as far south in town as it would go. Um, and then they stopped it because of the problems downtown. And I just started running toward the world trade center. And then this is a very curious thing, but I had this incredible urge for a cup of coffee. I just, I needed a cup <laughs> of coffee in the worst way. And I ducked into a deli to get a cup of coffee. And, uh, as I was coming out, I ran smack into my other sister and that is just the Holy spirit moving. If, if i hadn 't stopped for that coffee, I never would have uh, I never would have run into my other sister.
1: yeah and I found that fascinating
4: Just yeah. a, a, a oh,
1: i mean we've been in, in New York City
2: it was a
4: sea of people it was, oh, yeah. it was a sea of people
2: yeah we've we've been in Manhattan uh you know hundreds of times, and uh even uh, Jackie once when we took them to a Jonas Brother's concert, me and her walked around Manhattan and we would follow people uh, for our insurance investigations and to run <laughs> into somebody. <laughs> Like that, I mean that, like you said, it's the Holy Spirit. But,
1: but, but and think about that, folks. Now, you, you you were racing to to find your your younger sister, and, and you just suddenly oh, the need for a cup of coffee overtook right? you. And that that that, and for some reason, I thought that was kind of humorous. Mm-hmm.
4: Until you know, well, I have great love for coffee, so I think you know God just used that. It is God's funny. Oh, God yeah. does do funny things. Um, but but imagine the oh, yeah. odds of that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, my sister that was in the concourse when the second plane hit. I, and I think this is a very interesting thing, because um, it was such a horrific event. But she swears she heard Jesus saying, "This one's mine. This one's mine. This uh-huh. one's mine." So as as souls were leaving, as people were leaving uh, in death, uh, she she has a, a very very sure recollection. Of of Jesus being there, taking his own um which makes us feel very very good about our sister uh, who, uh, who you who perish we've gotten yeah we've gotten nothing uh not not so much as no d n a nothing back um so it's it's been it's been hard that way um but God is good, and God has given us really wonderful life since then and um so we're you know but, I, but okay
1: and, and just to be clear you you work for a fortune. Ten you yeah, ten, ten, ten company yeah. you traveled your you 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 traveled all over the world you've been in and I, I I just can't believe how many places I'm fascinated by you know you just mentioned a place or point on a map and he's been there um, but uh the the your business career and then 9/11 of course happens and then
4: and then your mom right uh, right and um my mom wonderful woman um but, but she had this the stroke and it left her uh paralyzed pretty much in her left hand. She can walk with a cane um but but she uses um she she needs the right hand for a cane, so she needs pretty constant attention um but she's she's still witty and uh, she's still very prayerful and so she's she's still a joy um that was that's been nine years now. But what I found was that I, I missed some of the interaction that I had had because I was dealing with people from all over the world every day. I was the controller of the corporation. So, you know, a, a day didn't go by that I wasn't dealing with people literally from all the ends of the earth. Uh-huh. And the, the, the relative silence that, that came after that when I took early retirement um, w- was daunting to me. Wow. And so around... around the the hoopla that went around uh december was it december twenty first twenty twelve right the, right that I was kind of watching that stuff online and i've been following bible prophecy all my life i love I love scripture I love the bible and but I started to see the, the the mayans had this this prophecy right and then I started to hear the hopis had prophecies and and Islam has prophecies, but the thing about it is they all seem to be targeting this generation, right? So what is the likelihood that this generation is targeted by all these disparate groups? And I wanted to kind of research that a little bit, and then I started to wonder what it would be like if people with these different ideas, what if they all came together, what if they are all talking about the same events, the events that I know from, from Christian Bible prophecy, and that, that pretty much moved into how did we get here? So, so what, what people would call conspiracy theory, although, you know, the alternative to conspiracy theory is coincidence theory. And, and I don't believe that everything's a coincidence either. So there must be something going on. Um, so what that turned into was a, a series of books that visits three families over 10 year periods. And we see how their beliefs, affect their worldviews. And, and what we, we start in 1969, 79, 89, 99, 2009, the present day, and then a, a, a little bit in the future. And they are, they're an end time series. Um, but they go a little bit, uh, I think places where other end time series haven't gone, Doug. I hopefully you, you would say that. I would definitely say that. And
1: this, these, the, the, the trilogy is unlike um i think you know to be honest when i first heard about your books and the third one was not out yet when i first heard about i thought okay another uh you know i just kind of sighed it's just another one another fact based or uh fictional kind of a fact fact based prophetic kind of series but i thought okay i'll bear it i'll bear it and i'll read it this is a lot, this is much different. Your, your books are much different. Um, I, I'm not sure I could 100% put my finger on why. Um, except to say that I, I read these as opposed to stopping
4: reading some of the other ones like those. I don't know if that made sense. I, I, I think some of it, I, hopefully for, I think some of it might be characters. Um, and, yeah. and, the. The prophecy doesn't drive the plot. The plot is driven by events in the characters' lives and the prophecy happens in their lives. It's so it's re- it, it's, it's real rich. Too. It's a little more real. It's yep. a little more yep. real. Yep. Um <laughs> You know, the other thing is I, I, I think that as you'll see, especially when we get independence, um, the third book some of the previous things that, that looked at these types of events made them all supernatural. But I'm I'm trying to find out what might be a possible scientific reason for the events of Revelation to take place. And, and, and you and, know Bible prophecy, by the way. I, folks, this gentleman can...
1: Bible prophecy, uh, the stuff that he was talking about last night at dinner, is just incredible. I, I learned a lot from T.C. Joseph in terms of biblical prophecy, scripture, and so, so much. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go on. No, no, it's the- I, I just, I, I mean, people have to understand you're, to me, um, when he said, well, you, what well, you said, oh, I, I want to read the, or you, you, you read the Bible every day, and of course, and you, you finished it in May. Um, uh, how, just how you said that, just, it just made me,
4: made me think, my goodness, this guy, uh, Wow, I just—that's I no, true. I love scripture, it. and yeah. and and I love it for its relevance. And and people often don't think that the Bible is relevant to today, but it's it's more relevant today than it probably was a hundred years ago, right? I mean, the oh yeah, the, yeah. The, the the one of the key prophecies in Daniel is that Daniel was told to seal his his prophecies up till till a time when people when knowledge explodes and people travel to and fro very quickly. I mean, this is this is describing our day and age. And so now's the time when when the Bible probably speaks more to our day and age than any other time period, and so it's it's really a fascinating, fascinating book. Um, one of the objectives I had in in writing the book was I wanted to do the un Dan Brown effect. You know, Dan Brown wrote really, really great books with really great characters, but what he did was sow seeds of doubt about Christianity in people's minds. I remember working in Manhattan, and co-workers reading these books and loving them but their takeaway always was you know maybe christianity has been lying to us maybe christianity is not what it says it is maybe jesus wasn't the son of god is 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 basically where they came out from reading this fiction and what i had hoped to do was have characters and plots and events that would that would move people uh, like a a a business person that would they that they would like these novels as well but but do the reverse so seeds of faith and and hopefully uh that could come about. I have to tell you doug I mean my w two from writing last year was four hundred fifty dollars i 'm hoping to go up to five hundred this year <laughs> so so you know the, it, it might work it might work this this show might put me over the five hundred dollar mark. But, um, but they're good books, people. They
1: really are. You get this generation series, or your constellation prizes—a year's worth of rice or There you go. But yeah, and, and yeah, you're not going to. I mean, look, people don't make a lot of money writing books unless you're in the Stephen King realm or something like this. But but these are every, every bit as good. I've got to tell you. So let's yeah
4: let's try to get that above five hundred this year. Yeah, we're going to go over five hundred this year. I can tell. But, but yeah. the damn
1: the un. How'd you put it? un-Dan Brown effect. effect
4: is what I wanted to do. Yeah,
1: I get that. And true story, uh, the neighbor that I talk about a lot, his son was 14 when the Da Vinci Code came out, 15, devout Christian family. And he said, you know, I'm, I, I, and I remember this to this day. I have to rethink my, I have to rethink Christianity. Uh, and that's what the, or I have to rethink my faith were exact, uh, uh, his exact words at that young age. After watching or reading the Da Vinci Code, I can't remember if you watched it or read it, but
4: and I'm not saying that was Dan Brown's intent, but that was the effect. Yeah, exactly. And and I would love to undo that effect, to change it around a bit, because because I think the Bible is so relevant to today. Um, whether that will work or not, I don't know. I mean, that that was my target audience, um, but I also found that. As I listen a lot to your show, you have so many interesting guests, and they have so many things to talk about, but they tend to focus on what their specialty is, and for me, it was interesting to try to figure out what would it look like in the future if all these things kind of came together, so what would it look like if there is alien deception? What would it look like if there's alien deception and an antichrist that is not the, not the antichrist that people are expecting, but what one who comes out of Islam, what would it look like? So, so you can take you know, your Joel, your with Joel Richardson was a guest talking about that. We we have LA Marzoli talking a lot about, um, about the alien deception, but, but what would that look like and how would it affect the lives of people? And, and that's what I'm trying to, to explore in these books. Does it, and, and I'm hoping I get to that point. Um, one of the things that makes the book, I think, really, really interesting is the characters. And, um, I spent a lot of time last night explaining to Doug and Joe just how uncreative I am. Oh, I'm just man, <laughs> man, this guy is a hoot. If you, if you knew the backstories, I have... And I can tell some of them, but, you know, we, one of the main characters in the book is, is a young priest named Chris. And Chris is, um, He's a handsome priest, right? And, and so I need an image to write to it. If I'm, if I'm starting a character, I have to envision the character and then, and then everything else kind of takes shape. But I, I literally, I was telling them last night, you know, all the priests I knew growing up were 85, 85 at birth. I mean, they were just 85 years old all their lives. And so I was the whole idea of a, of a young, handsome priest. I typed it into Google, young, handsome priest. And up came a a, a a young man who had been a professional soccer player and had moved into the priesthood. And I'm not gonna give his name because I haven't asked if I could do that, but um long story short, I saw him on an interview on television and I and I thought, wow, this really is Chris. This is who Chris is. And so I used him as the as the prototype for writing this and then I felt like God was saying to me it really, really isn't very fair that you're, you're using this guy's image and you haven't even contacted him. So I contacted his, um, his seminary and asked if I could contribute to his, to his tuition. And, and we developed a pretty nice friendship over the years. And, um, the funny things that have happened out of this are there are events in the book that mirror his life. But I wrote them before I met him, and it, it's, it's. I think it's a point of particular frustration for him. Um, it's kind of funny to me because I think that's. I think that's how God works. Um, but he's a, he's a real character in the book because he's based on somebody who's real. Um, a lot of my characters, a lot of my heroes in the book, at least, are are based on real people. There's a character named Gabe in the book who um who had a really bad drug problem, then a bad alcohol problem, then a bad woman problem. And but he was a he was an aerobic structure. He's a Mr. Fun guy on a um on a cruise ship until he met the woman of his dreams and then he changes his life around. How how That's that amazing. character. How this character came about was crazy, right? I mean uh, Yep. I used to I, I, before my company had a gym, I used to do workout tapes, but this is like a hundred years ago on VHS tapes, right? I mean, I used to do workout tapes at home. You had me rolling when you told this last night. And then we had, um, there was a, a television show that came on in the morning of like a Caribbean beach workout. (laughs) And so I would do that maybe before work. And so I, I knew at some point I'd be moving away from New York back to Pennsylvania and oh my God where I lived was um they just they had a YMCA that I just I couldn't deal with the changing room for uh, a ridiculous reason they they have a I have a very bizarre th- policy to get to the pool you have to go through the changing rooms and they realize that you know moms are sometimes there with sons and dads are sometimes there with daughters so they allow you to bring the opposite gendered child through the changing room to get to the pool up to age 10 and i just couldn't change in front of 10 year old and under little girls i just couldn't do it and so i said i'm gonna have to find something else to do so i i looked online to try to find this guy's exercise uh tapes on on dvd because who has a vh who has vhs tapes anymore so i typed in his name and he came up as as a, a singles pastor in a large church in Texas, And so I, I wrote to him and said, are you the abs and Chester steel guy? And he wrote back saying, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, my life wasn't so good then. And I met this woman and we have like wonderful kids and, and, um, we became pretty good friends. And, and, and in fact, um, he had a very serious life event in, in his life at the, at the same time my mother had the stroke and we agreed to pray for each other. And we've become, um, we've become really, really good friends. Actually, I'm, uh, I'm godfather to his third child. That's amazing, man. wow! But but he he ended up being Gabe, um, and so I, what I'm trying to do is but but see he's a hero of faith to me as as is the the, the soccer player right because these are men who had pretty much everything. If you're a young guy, you know, and 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 you want to have everything like being on a, on fitness magazine covers or you know being being um, carried off the field. And, and a professional soccer match. I mean, you, you have everything, right? You have the girls. You have everything you want in life. But you give it up because you fall in love with Jesus. That's a hero of the faith to me. And and so that's, I think that's why some of these characters are so real. Um, and, and and just to be clear, because now you mentioned this, just to go back
1: a little ways, um, and I'm not sure how many people caught this, but you said, you were bored or, um, you are bored and you made up characters or made up imaginary friends. Basically, we wish became the characters. Um, in the context of your mom's stroke. Yes. Okay. And, and, and folks, I mean, here, here's a guy. I mean, a, a, you want a real man? Uh, it's a man who takes care of business, who takes care of business, family business, takes care of mom. When she's down, I mean, T.C. Joseph, he's a he's a he's a man's man, to 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 stop everything and to say, you know what, mom, I'm, I'm I'll take care of you, and, and this is it was during that time, is the is what you were referencing. Just to be clear, yes, right? yes, yes. Okay, all right, and, and and that's so when you when she was con- as she convalesced, you were at her side, yes, and and the, this is when the the books were, the characters were were germinating. Germ- yeah. There you go. Okay, that's amazing. Yes. Okay.
4: And then, so actually but but while we if do you mind if we talk about a couple more people of faith that I have Please, in Please go ahead. Um there's a there's a priest named Vinny who he's not a um he's not a main character he's a kind of a sidekick to 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 Chris in the book. Um it, it's it's un- I mean literally I can't even say that he's fictional at all. This man said things that that uh the real life person did. And um this this real life person is it, his name in the book is Vinnie Gugliamici. The real-life person is uh, Father Michael Gugliamelli, who passed away this June, and it was a horrible thing for his entire entire parish in Hoboken. Um, but this is a man who yeah, he he spoke a little bit like a gangster because he was from Hoboken, but that played well in the in the in the Hoboken life uh, of his of his parishioners. But. This is a man who every day, first thing he did when he got up was made sandwiches. Anybody who was hungry in the town of Hoboken knew that they could ring the rectory door and he would feed them. Most often they were drug addicts or uh, alcoholics. And he kept Alcoholics Anonymous going constantly at our church because when these guys would come to the door for the sandwich, he would say to them, point blank, you know what your problem is? You're bum. That's the bad news. The good news is Jesus died for bums like you. And it worked. It just brought people around. And so I just wanted to bring him to life in the books as well. So so Vinny in the books is 99% um Father Michael who who I knew uh really well. He a friend of mine. Was uh, was marrying a lovely, lovely Italian girl, and um, through all kinds of weird circumstances, when he was growing up, he didn't finish his faith formation, and so he wanted to get married in the in the Catholic Church, but you know, he he again he he couldn't do it, and so I said, to him, listen, I know this priest who's very, very Christian, and um, we can do this." So Tuesday nights after work, we would troop into Hoboken. And Father Michael was great with me because I, you know, I'd give this friend of mine like books to read and stuff, and he'd say, "Father Michael, should I read this?" And Michael say, "If you told you to read it, read it." So, and I have this vivid recollection like he would he would throw out scripture, and and most often I could tell what he was talking about. I could tell him where maybe not the the verse, the chapter and verse, but I could tell him what book it was. And he he threw out something at me, and I, it was so eloquent. I said it was Isaiah, but it really was Jeremiah. I often don't think of Jeremiah as being eloquent because he was in such a state of lament. And so I had it wrong. And this is typical Father Michael. He said, uh, hey, 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 Johnny, mark your calendar. The smarty pants got it wrong. So, you know, I mean, he was great. He loved Scripture, too. He was just a marvelous, marvelous man. And I'm, I'm happy to, to bring him to life in, in the books, right? I'm happier now, you know, since he's passed. Um, there is, uh, I don't know if, if you remember this character. It's been a while since you've read the books, Doug, but, um, you know, remember Franny in the, in the books is married to a guy named Tom. Tom dies, in, uh, fleeing Uganda and she marries another man, David, um, who is David's kind of like the, the steady Eddie in her life. He helps her kind of keep a calm relationship with her daughter, who is a bit of a televangelist. nut. okay. So, so, but David is David is based on a friend of mine from that I grew up with, who became this uh, uh, a pastor in in Pennsylvania, and he is wise and kind <laughs> and just s- such an incredible light to the people in his life. And, and, and so I tried to bring him to life in the character of David. And then, and then there are other things too. Uh, did you, did you find, do you remember Will in the last book, Penance? Will is a little bit of a strange character. He uses a crossbow and he's from, um he's from a, an act, uh, a stage act where he uses a crossbow, but then he, that kind of turns him into some kind of freakish, um, yeah,
1: I don't know how how deep
4: you want to go into this Swiss the Swiss Guard. Yeah, but. yeah, he, he becomes like a part of the Swiss Guard. But years ago, we were in Myrtle Beach on a family vacation, and my brother-in-law and I and 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 his two kids went to see a magic show, and there was a guy there named Ben Black, who did a crossbow act that was just riveting, and and I knew. I don't want to make a spoiler here, but something happens at the end of Pentecost that left me with a lot of characters. I had a yep. lot of holes. And I said to this guy, I could really, really use a character like you in a book. And I was thinking of calling him Will White. He said, You can call him Ben Black if you want. That's fine with me. So he gave me the permission. So if anybody, so it, and, and I think in some ways he seems to be maybe one of the least realistic characters, but literally that Ben Black to, to, to Will White, it's, it's not that big a step. So as, as you can see, Doug, I'm not creative. i I'm, I'm, I steal, I steal people's lives and put them in. Honestly, I mean, folks, it,
1: it, you would every story you just heard, you'd appreciate by reading his books. Um, I got an email here. Not, not. Uh, it's an email from someone who actually is listening in Hoboken.
4: Who was the? Can you name the priest that passed away? Father Michael Googlemelli. Okay,
1: all right. So there you have it.
4: And, and a lovely, lovely,
1: lovely, lovely man. All right, wow. And uh, hello to Hoboken. So there you go. <laughs> wow. So you, you really? I mean, these are fun uh, characters that you can that everyone can relate to because they're
4: basically real. So. Or at least they're my spin on the real ones. Right, right. There's a character, one of the characters' mother's Mima, had a stroke and became a little bit um, difficult to deal with. I have no idea who that (laughs) character is based on, Doug. It just came to me out of the blue. Does she want a jaguar? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Do you want me to tell that story? She's listening, by the way. She's listening, by the way. um, Um, Hi. (laughs) (laughs) My mom... After the stroke, um, she, in some ways, she lost her filter. Think Sophia Petrillo from uh, Golden Girls. One of my favorite people, by the way, <laughs> on, on television. Just... So it's funny and it's cute, but sometimes it's just, <laughs> you know, it's just not real. So, um, at at the beginning part of the stroke, I was transitioning out of my work. So I would work one month in New York and then I'd have two months in, in elder care. And then I, so I did that for two years. So I'm sitting at my desk in New York and the phone rings and my mother says, I want a Jaguar. And I said, what? I was like, you can't have a Jaguar. It's like, why not? They said, because my, I mean, you'll get into it and you won't be able to get back out of it. Number one. Number two, we have snow. I don't want you, let, I, she has caregivers who drive it. Um, I don't, I don't want you running off the road. I mean, I'm not even making the, the, the argument that it's too expensive, which by the way it is, Um, but you know, we're not pulling you out of a ditch, right? We need something with all-wheel drive, something that you can get to and from appointments with and to to make matters worse her caregiver at the time that was driving her around was 19 years old, so I said you know, I am definitely not giving Ashley a jag to tour around town and this is just not going to happen and um, I thought the issue was dead, but her car was getting old And, you know, when you have caregivers driving you to appointments and stuff, you don't want to be in a place where they feel unsure of your car. So it was time. It was time for us to upgrade her car. And so we got a newer model of the car that she already had.
1: Uh, But, Mom, I'm right there with you. If you're (laughs) listening, or you could be watching, but if you're listening only, look, you deserve a Jag. I, I agree with you. I agree. I think you should have a Jag. You know who else likes Jaguars and wants a Jaguar? This one. I think he carries around a picture of
2: a this one was, 79. This one's a
4: Jaguar?
1: Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> only because I, I know, number one, I'll never, ever have one. It's only, the only car I've ever heard you say, I would love. Oh, uh, I, 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 I kid around because I, I want, like, a, I started out by saying I want a pre-1985 car, one that, you know, you can roll the windows down. It's got an e track player, and uh, uh they, they just got a lap belt. Instead of, you know, all those restraints and stuff, they don't t- tell you what to do. And, and then I figured, okay, I might as well go all the way. I'll, I'll take a uh like a nineteen seventy six Jaguar and that's been kind of the rolling joke since then. But <laughs> anyway.
4: So we are at the car dealership. We my mother has said not one <laughs> word the entire time we're looking at the new car. We are signing the paperwork. We're getting the keys. The lady that um <laughs> the lady that sells us the car like leans over to my mother's wheelchair and says so What do you think of your new car? And her only response was, is it a Jag? And that was it. And the lady's like, Oh, your mother's so funny. And it's like, Oh, you have no idea, but it is a funny story. I mean, the woman is funny, but and, and sometimes, you know, she'll get confused on things, right? And, and this is kind of sad, but it's kind of funny. And, and I will sometimes put things on Facebook about her, but I tell her when I'm doing it because I don't want to, I don't want to goof on her behind her back. Right, but sometimes you just can't resist. I. She was lying on the couch one night, and she was trying to tell me. I think that she she was afraid she was getting she had a urinary tract infection, but she said to me, "I think I have an IUD," and so <laughs> it's like, "Mom, sorry, I need to put this on Facebook and then we'll talk about it." And so we do. We have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun, and and Mima and the book is fun. But if you if you look. Um, Mima's last moments are pretty heroic in that book. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my mom's a hero. My mom, um, when 9-11 happened, my mother was in California. She had buried her oldest sister the day before. <sighs> um, there were no flights home. Family from California, uh, started to drive her back home. They had to turn around in Chicago and family from Pennsylvania picked her up in Chicago, uh, because her nephew had a heart attack and died. Oh man. By the time she got to New York, um, she looked at my sister and me and she said, You two look like hell. Listen. Jesus loves her more than I do. If he wow. took her, then, then it's because he took her. And and that kind of strength, I mean, it's just astounding. Just what? astounding. Mom, you, you need the jag. I mean, <laughs> it's not jag worthy,
1: but it is astounding. I'm telling you, um, to to have that that faith. I mean, wow, wow. Listen, that's a tremendous story, and he and our guest T.C. Joseph in the studio has many more like that. Isn't this fascinating? And look, I don't often say this. On, on, the, on the show or I don't often say this but I, I really think that uh, my goodness God is good you know in so many ways and uh, ah man wow what a strong lady too yes what a strong lady yes in
4: fact you know she said to me oh I would say maybe a year ago now she said to me you know the rapture is your great hope because I'm not going anywhere <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I, I hope everyone got the depths of that, that statement. <laughs> okay. I, indeed. Well, we, we've got about, uh, oh, we've got time. I was going to say, I, I was, was looking at the clock. I, I can't see. Maybe we uh, have 14 minutes or something. Yeah. Oh, okay. Somebody took my uh, uh, big numbers away. So, hey,
2: TC, while we're talking, well, you just mentioned the rapture, yeah. what's your position on
4: the rapture? Oh, no. No, I'm no, no, no. We I can do this. We can, do this. we can do this. I'll tell you what my position on the rapture is. I hope for it. I have some stored food just in case, um, you know. I he, he, and, and and I don't I don't want to say just the rapture. I want to talk about end time events in totality. You know, the prophecies are given are are, are pretty specific, but they're not all inclusive. And I think that's because God does not want to tip His hand to Satan, right? So we get. We get a lot, and 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 we get more than Satan because we can see it through the light of the Holy Spirit. But one thing for sure that I can tell you is the end won't go down the way I wrote it. And it won't go down the way anybody else did either because we don't know all the facts. So I'm open to both possibilities is where I'm at on that. You know, I, I was talking to your dad last night, and I said, you know, one of the things that really, really concerns me is when Jesus says... When the Son of Man comes returns, will he find any faith on earth? The the verb that's used in that, or the, the way the question is asked. In, in, in ancient Greek, in Koine Greek, you could ask in three different ways. One in expecting a positive answer, one expecting a negative answer, and one saying you just don't know. And the the way the Greek is written is, is equivalent to him saying there will be no faith left when he returns. So if there's no rapture, that would say to me, Mass martyrdom. Um, yeah, and, come up. and that's, that's, that's yeah. scary in its own right. If in the books, I took, I had to take a stand. And the stand I took was that, um, I, I wanted to go with the most hopeful. Although, you know, there are, there are good arguments for both cases. So, so I, so does that, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I have water. I have food. I need ammo, guys. I don't have ammo. Um, because I I can't see I only only a jerk would put a gun in my hand. So but but um, but other than that you know I I, I have the things because I, I want to be I want to be ready in either event. But I'm really but, uh, really, really I, I praying think the, for a rapture.
1: I think the but the way he explained it, I can relate to that. I can relate to how you um, how you explained it. Yeah, about that particular verse. And and really think about that.
2: And the way I believe uh, is similar to what you said. I hope. I mean, who wouldn't want there to be a rapture and to be taken oh, off this, yeah. this horrible earth? um You know, without having to go through the tribulation and the persecution.
1: We're just playing. But at the death. same
2: time, the way you described the, the mass martyrdom, from what I read in scripture, uh that's exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And. You know, and and these are the people not, who, during the tribulation period, are are this this great multitude of people clothed in white. Um, you know, as the Lord says in the Bible, um, I think is right before the sixth seal right. is opened, right. where it says, you know, uh, how long until you you know you avenge? Right. Uh, Right, and he said, "Till the rest are are, are killed." The for, numbers
4: complete. For, yeah, the numbers really.
2: complete.
1: And, and it's not that people. It's not pockets of
4: people left, like you know, five or six. Is no one? That's that's what we can imply from what Christ said, um, and that's scary to me. Yeah. That's that's really, really, really scary to me. Um, but you know, it, ha, I, I don't. I don't want to say this the right way. It. Getting back to what Joe said, it won't be such a lovely world anyway. Maybe leaving right. it won't be so bad. Really, I mean, so, but but you know, there are there are there are a lot of um, there are a lot of ways to look at that. I honestly, I honestly, honestly believe that we are coming into a weird time. I, you know, I mentioned this to Doug last night. Um We if you look at prophecy and fulfillment the way it related to the life of Christ and what we've seen so far the 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 closest literal interpretation of the prophecy is what happened so so you know it, when when prophecy speaks about bethlehem being his birth that's where he was born he was born in bethlehem it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't conceptual it wasn't uh, a metaphorical thing. He was born in Bethlehem. Um, so when John in Revelation says he saw a sign in the sky and it's the lady giving birth, and we're coming upon that in on September what 21st 23rd. Through, through the 23rd. Okay. September 23rd of this year. It gives me great pause because. From my knowledge of scripture, that would probably be one of the best ways to interpret it. Um, But we'll know, we'll know this year if we got that interpretation right or not. I mean, we. But by virtue of the fact that we're in a celestial alignment that hasn't repeated itself in what seven thousand years or something like that, it's something bizarre. Yeah, it's Uh, it's pretty it's pretty far away, and and so you know we we just have to give a little bit of credence to the fact that we that we might be uh, and coming into some very very difficult times um having said that um it, you know actually if if I can just pull back a little bit though you know when when you talk about the books you say the nice things that the reviewers said cuz the re- reviewers have said kind things about the books um but there is a reviewer called forward clarion who really, really liked Precipice. And then when they got to Pentecost, okay. they they didn't like it at all. And the reason they didn't like it was that if, if you recall in the book, there's a there's I have a I have a really I have a, an evil evil man and then I have kind of a clownish evil man. Um, but this clownish evil man is really, really horrible. And at one point he accosts a young man on the deck of a ship. And the, the book refers to it as sodomy. The review was panned because sodomy is a prejudicial term. And it would offend too many people. So so forward clarion just doesn't like my stuff, right? Because Think about of sodomy. That. Um, because of the word sodomy. Oh and when I I actually asked the publisher not to send them penance, but they they sent them penance anyway. And and that the, the trash the they trash penance was that the times are so horrible and yet the characters sometimes laugh yeah. and and i got to tell you something i mean i it might not be that way for everybody in some way it is for me though i mean i'm i've been through some really really bad times but sometimes you have to laugh at the circumstances sometimes you just have to laugh at the absurdity of what you're facing
1: you, you know TC, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I was working a, my, on my uncle's murder investigation, and I had actually a situation that it was a life or death situation, true story, and I didn't know what else to do. I mean, I, I was I actually had a handgun stuck in my ribs, and I didn't know, seriously, at that point, if I was going to live or die. And I started laughing. Okay. It because, I, and as crazy as that sounds, I started laughing. And, uh, the, uh, the there was an, a complete moron who said, all oh, you, you know, a normal per- or, or that would never happen." He's just making that up, and I thought, "Man, you can't make that up." Uh, I would, I, I certainly would have been more heroic than just laugh. But you're right, um, and, and I and I said, and I read that, uh, or I
4: Now this was a while ago about that review. Was that a Christian? Base. No, no, okay. it, no, it was, but but it was, um, you know, and, and I, I I can tell you a story. When um, I was working in Manhattan, a younger kid who who worked in our group, he was talking with another guy, and they were talking about who was going to grow into a, a good-looking woman and who wasn't going to grow into a good-looking woman. And this guy said, he really, you know, look for Chelsea Clinton. She's going to grow into a good-looking woman. And I said, you know what, she's not going to grow into a good-looking woman. I, I'll bet you $5. I'll just bet you $5. And this guy became a really, really good friend of the family. And, and so like every Sunday night for, for weeks and weeks and weeks after 9-11, he just showed up at my sister's apartment with a, with a pie or a cake or something just to make sure we were eating. Um, right after the event, my sister and I had to go to one of the centers that they had to give DNA evidence so they could, um, uh, identify remains. And so you're standing in line waiting to have your mouth swabbed. And Chelsea and Hillary came in. And, I mean, it's just such a... It's it's a horrible thing to give your DNA knowing that somebody's going to try to find the remains of someone, right? And And I just... It had nothing against Chelsea and Hillary. I just wish they hadn't come in because I wanted to get the heck out of there, and it just delayed us we being there. Right, and my my sister is just so sad, and and, and I, I mean I couldn't even look at her; she was just so sad. And I feel this, and I feel this little nudge on my elbow, and I look over, and there's this friend of mine handing me five dollars. So, because he had seen Chelsea, she hadn't grown into a, a good-looking woman, and it broke the tension. And we both laughed, and it was nothing against <laughs> Chelsea, and it was nothing against you know. It, it, it's not like I was disrespecting my sister's memory. Sometimes you just need that. That's how you That's get. Right. That's how you get through it. Um, That's right. But, yeah, <laughs> five
1: dollars.
2: Oh the, my! Back, back to your sister, real quick. I was. I read a story maybe a year ago. And they did some renovations on a roof of a bank building, I believe it was, and they found bone fragments and and like twenty eight different uh, wow. types of DNA. Wow. And this was you know fourteen years after. Yeah.
4: Do you still hold all uh, hope that that could happen? My sister does. My sister wants anything that 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 belongs to her. I I kind of don't. um For me, just a, a a a a burnt piece of a body is so not a body, right? You know, I just it it just drives home the incredible sadness of the event. You know, I, it, it's weird when I met my sister then in Manhattan. We went back toward the World Trade Center, and cops turned us around, saying that the buildings were about to fall. My sister could not close her eyes for, I would say. Couple years without seeing the buildings fall. My own, my, my memory immediately after the cops saying that is being on 23rd Street and Park Avenue covered in dust. My mind would not accept that the buildings fell. I mean, I just, it didn't go in. It just, it just didn't even go into my head. It's like, I have no memory of that. And, you know, my, the hardest things for me are to imagine. What it was like for my sister in, in the World Trade Center, and so I kind of don't like my mind to go there, and and I think, you know, getting back a bone shard is just going to make it so hard. But it, I mean, obviously, if they find it, we want it. But 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 I really hope we don't find it.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a pretty incredible story, and to think, you know, um, what it was like for those people in there. I mean, we have no idea. And so many people lost their life that day. It is, you know, absolutely tragic. And the fact that we still haven't had a a real investigation into nine eleven and all that was involved in that uh, is just astonishing to me. And, what we're coming up on the 16-year anniversary yeah. just yeah. Uh, in a few days. In a few days. Time does go by fast. Folks, we are up against our top of the hour, bottom of the hour network break. We have Mr. T.C. Joseph in studio with us. He's been in town since yesterday and it's been a lot of fun. You gotta get the trilogy, the series of books. First one is Precipice, then we don't the one we don't have is Pentecost. And the third one is Penance. And I've read the, the first one and I do plan on reading the other two. I think you sent a book T C to us in um paper format. Yes. That's, I, I do have that one. That was uh Precipice and I still have that at my house. Um But we gotta find, we gotta find the middle one, folks, and you can go to uh, Uh, HagmanReport.com. Oh, okay. You can go to HagmanReport.com or go to Amazon.com to find the books. He's gonna be with us through the next hour, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to this Monday edition of the Hagman Report.
5: Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In as the darkness falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the Creator to his creation.
0: Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com
2: back ladies and gentlemen to this final hour of the hagman report on this monday edition we are joined by in studio guest tc joseph he's the author of the next generation series of books and we have them here uh, at the hagman studio except for one which my dad's lending books to neighbors which is a no-no
1: yeah this generation series not the next oh sorry this generation but, series. but, but i gotta tell you uh hey jack if you're okay. listening you know, if he, if he knew it, he was here... Oh, be, yeah, you're right. He would be over he'd be here. Down, he'd be down in the studio right, right away. All right.
2: But, well. um, yeah, we can go. We have a, a lot of different places we can go in this hour. We were just talking off-air, uh, you know, about Scripture and prophecy and the times that we live in. I wanted to, to point this out to you. I was just reading a, a bulletin that was put out on the 20th uh, by the Office of Cyber Infrastructure Analysis... And it talks about the artificial intelligence, the future of AI, and its importance in all areas of our society, and it weighs the pros and cons. And the one of the narratives that it talks about here for enhancing uh, the future technology, it says, In today's digital revolution, all businesses and employees must integrate AI and transform their operations or otherwise risk survival. AI isn't a choice, it's a necessity. And that led me to, while we were talking about prophecy, um, and we talked about being in, in potentially the last generation in the end times. Never before have we had, at least from what we observe, all the ingredients to be in the end times. That's true. And I wanted to get your take on this, uh, TC about, uh, from, from the increase in technology to, uh, what we see with natural disasters, Israel becoming a nation again—the signs and the and the stars and the heavens—we were just talking about September twenty third. Do you believe we could uh, we are living
4: in the end times, whether it's in this year or in the next hundred years? Yeah, I re- I really do, and 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 the the key sign in Bible prophecy is Israel becoming a nation again, and you know mm-hmm. the, it'll be seventy years in twenty eighteen, uh, which is a generation, right? And and so there are. People will always go back to, um, Jesus comparing Israel to the fig tree and saying, when you see the blossoms, then you know that the end is near. And, and so we see that, that Israel has, has been born again. You know, um, oh my, I, I want, I'm not going to get the prophet right. Mm. But one of the prophets says, have you ever seen anything like this? A, con- uh, a nation born in one day. Mm-hmm. But, but literally, Israel was born in one day. And, so you know we started to witness these things. Now let's let's be very very clear in this, right? Not only did that happen, but Roswell happened. The alien deception started at the exact mm-hmm. same time, and and you know I want to say we talk about the deception. I don't know, uh, like I said, some of my readers are hopefully a lot of my readers aren't aren't even uh, attuned to this yet, so it would need explanation. But the Bible says it... it in the end times, the God's going to allow a great deception to um, to overtake the earth, and people wonder what that great deception would be. I mean, and La Marzoli, a lot of uh, a lot of people think that great deception is going to be either faked extraterrestrial life or extraterrestrial life brought about by like fallen angels mm-hmm. that um, that deny the re- the reality of Christ. So, you know. I'll go back to the books again, Doug. Um, there, there's a point in Pentecost where Gabe challenges Michael to read a book, uh, to kind of change his mind about, about what he's doing, doing with alien technology. And that book really is, is, is a book called Final Events by Nick Redfern. And Nick Redfern would make a wonderful guest for you, by the way. Um, what happened with Nick Redfern is this. He, he, He writes kind of paranormal, investigative things. He was contacted by a man from a group that calls itself the Collins Elite, and their think tank for Washington. And as a think tank, they had determined that the government's interaction with aliens and interaction with the occult was leading it down a a, a bad path. And they maintain that our government has been actively working with extraterrestrials. That the Collins elite, not Christians, by the way, have determined are demonic or and malevolent in nature. And so we have this whole group within the U.S. government that is saying that that these beings do exist. They're not extraterrestrial; they're extra dimensional, and not only they're extra dimensional, but they fit the pattern of demonic activity that was seen throughout the Middle Ages. So it, it was a, it's a very, very intriguing uh, book. But this gets back to your question that way. Israel becoming a nation, huge amount of extraterrestrial type activity that, that even some people in the U.S. government think may well be satanic in nature.
1: Uh, Lisa Haven talks about the Collins elite, or wrote about, actually, the Collins elite and why you need to know um, about them. Very interesting. And, and that's just one example, folks, of how the books in real life kind of intersect. I, I didn't mean to take you off your stride, but that's I, I wanted and, to talk. it real
2: quick here, in Ezekiel 28, it talks about the return of Israel in the last days. And just uh, just three verses I want to read here. And there shall be no more a prickering briar unto the house of Israel, nor any grieving thorn of all that are round about them that despise them. They shall know that I am the Lord God. Thus say the Lord God, When I shall have gathered the house of Israel from the people among whom they are scattered, and shall be sanctified in them in the sight of the heathen, then they shall dwell in their land that I have given to my servant Jacob. And they shall dwell safely therein, and shall build houses and plant vineyards. Yea, they shall dwell with confidence when I have executed judgments upon all that despise them round about, and they shall know that I am the Lord God. That's talking about, you know, what we had seen uh, in the the 1947, where Israel
4: was gathered out of the four corners of the earth and turned into a nation in one day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know... uh, I I take a little bit of a different stance on on this one point, and I'm just going to explain it quickly, but you will hear people talk about a Psalm 83 war, a war that that Israel has with its near-in neighbors um, is described in Psalm 83. And then you'll hear people talk about Gog and Magog war, which is kind of a a war that Israel has with its further-out neighbors. Um, I actually think that these are all part of... World War Three, all part of you know. So, like, I, I think we're seeing battles and not individual wars. So Israel might start fighting with its near-in Muslim neighbors, but then it broadens to to Turkey and and Russia and and others. So, but the important thing there is the the countries that are mentioned in each of these descriptions are now current-day Israel's enemies. So not only Israel coming back, and not only the weird alien deception coming online, but the the general pattern of of neighbors of enemies of the state of Israel was all predicted, and it's coming to life right now. So, you know, does anybody know for sure? No, but I think that you know we have we have got tremendous signs. Again, the same thing with Daniel, right? I mean, Peter Chalk was talking about this in nineteen oh seven. We had none of the technology we have today, mm-hmm. right? And and you know you can go back to oh I I'm, I want to remember the old movie but I can't but but I remember when uh, in, in an old movie the a guy comes into the room and says like what does a guy have to do make a transatlantic flight to get any attention around here <laughs> because it was right you know it was right with 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 uh, Lucky Lindy and and that day and age right we're only a hundred years away from this our culture our technology is unknowable. Unfathomable to people in 1900. It's it's crazy, right? I mean, I, I think if my father were alive to see what we it, when you take out your iPhone, you have the world's knowledge at your hands. Mm-hmm. You know, like 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 you, Doug. Do you remember going to the library to look at the encyclopedia?
1: Oh, every <laughs> yeah, it. it's. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm you know, frankly I missed that time, but that's a subject <laughs> for another time. But yes, yes, I do. Well, that's because you want
4: to drive a 1976 Jag to the <laughs> library. To, to, to hey, 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 Mom, I'm with you. I'm with you. But anyway, it, no, in, I, in all fairness, Doug, she doesn't want old. She wants new. She's with uh, you on the Jag. She's not with you on the year. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> right, we'll still get you one. Um, but but no, you're right.
1: The technology alone. And that's again in in your books. It's reflected um, the deception. Uh, it's difficult. We'll, we'll compare today the technology versus the day that Israel became a nation. Again, it's crazy different. Yeah, even in nineteen forty-eight. Yes, could that be? Because it could. Uh, wow. You really have to think about this, consider this, mull this over, and and that's why the Bible to me is
4: is much more than just a a book that sits on the shelf. To me, it's it's come alive. Oh yeah, I mean, and what does John see? John sees a great earthquake and the earth rolling back on its uh, and the atmosphere rolling back on itself like a scroll. He's witnessing a mushroom cloud. Right? We only have that type of technology now in our generation. Wow,
1: it's amazing. the The concept, and and I don't mean to dwell on this, but the concept of alien deception really, to me, um, intrigues me. That and the identity of the Antichrist, which both both of which you address in, in your in your series of books. This generation, go to Amazon. TC Joseph
4: is our in studio guest. Yes, and, and to be fair, I didn't know anybody that I based the Antichrist character on. <laughs> now, that I was, that was made up. No, <laughs> nobody good. in my life is the Antichrist in the book, Doug. Uh,
1: you, you know, uh, I, and I'm trying to structure this question without necessarily. Well, let's put the books aside for a okay. moment. Okay, that way, that way, where there's no spoilers. As you look out over the landscape today, um, in terms of an antichrist, do you see any contenders? Uh, you know,
4: yes. I hate I you know I actually hate to make those kind of predictions because it, it could be anyone. But sure the the books. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I yeah. Take I a stance, yeah. and 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 that stance is based on my looking at President Erdogan um, for a long time now in Turkey. Uh, somebody uh-huh. that wants to reestablish the uh, the Ottoman Empire is somebody that that we really need to take a close look at. But but can, can you? Okay, so it's my understanding, and again,
1: your knowledge of scripture certainly supersedes mine. Isn't the Antichrist someone that everyone would follow every every rational
4: sensible human being would follow regardless of faith well ideology? you know and I and that's true and and this is where i'm not where I'm not convinced of it. it um I think that's part of the deception ah okay all right I think that's part of the deception and and if you have an alien presence that taps somebody on the shoulder and says this is your guy mmm Okay, that's who the world will follow. But you know what we really—you know—the other one thing that's brought out in in the book final events, uh, uh, one thing that the Collins elite makes reference to is this: people who have communications with aliens, people who, are, who claim abduction, et cetera. For some reason, these aliens always, always trash Christ and Christianity. Yes, mm-hmm. never Buddha, never Mohammed They trash Christ. They trash Christianity. <laughs> Um, people have stopped abduction scenarios by, by, by demanding that they go away in the name of Christ. Yes. Um, so it, it looks like they're gearing toward that, right? When we get the friendly ET that says, this is your man, I think that's the one we really want to look at. Mm. And, 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 and so, I don't know. I, my book's kind of take the stance that if we can if they can generate a person who can meet the islamic mahdi requirements and the jewish messiah requirements uh, that would be the person that that people would follow i kind of never really went there in the long run because i think that the i think the alien deception is more i agree it is more feasible in this day and age
1: i agree Especially with that, with, with what you said, uh, especially in this day and age. I, I think that the technology that we have, um, I, I agree with that. I, I do. Uh, I mean, look at, I, I hate to bring other people or, or magic into this, but look at, what is that guy that, uh, real famous guy that, David Blaine, the magician, yeah. yeah, walk on the water yeah. and yeah. do all, all. I mean, just imagine that on, on a much greater scale, greater in intensity, greater in deception.
4: Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, who wow. brings people to the table and and, and to to yeah. make them want peace? Now, I honestly think that that's not going to happen easily. Again, in the books, I I, I think that we need a, a serious threat to our world in order to come to. A point of global governance. I, I, I think there are too many people like me who are nationalists that are that are not going to give in to global governance unless there's some kind of huge threat. Um, unless you're dead. Yes. You w- which
1: yeah. you know referenced earlier. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, depending on the on the course of events, uh, or or the timing of
4: the the events, which is rather troubling. Okay. But again, you know, I, mm. I I go back and forth on this, right? I mean, part of me feels very, very privileged to be living in this time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For, for well, I'm privileged to live in a time where there are flushing toilets. I got to tell you, <laughs> I like that. I like that very much, Doug. <laughs> but um, amazingly, I mean, if and, and I think this is my big thing. That that drives me crazy is that people don't read scripture or don't read scripture in its entirety. And 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 so they're missing the I mean, what what is going on in the world today is so richly embedded into the Bible narrative that it, it I mean it's a total faith builder. You know, if you get out there, like listen, you know what? I'll make $500 anyway. If you don't want to buy my books and, and, and you just want to read the Bible, read the Bible. But, you know, that's that's the answer. Um, I, I, my mindset. Answer. you know, I, I
1: can't imagine anyone living through today that calls themselves or identifies as a Christian that wouldn't pick up the Bible and, and, and say, wait a minute, uh, I'm reading in the Bible what what we're living today
4: it, it's hard to fathom um yeah. but we you know we we allegorize we teach people that that the bible is a bunch of moral plays a bunch of moral stories a bunch of um and 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 it's so much more than that it's so much more diverse than that it's so much more rich than that
2: oh it is and i mean some people, I believe, you know, will read it or hear the stories and say, "Well, I've heard all the stories and I've read it. Uh, I don't need to read it again." But you know, you can read it a thousand times, and each time you read it, absolutely, you get more out of it. The uh, the the teachings change with your level of <laughs> spiritual growth. It and is understanding. a living book. It's oh, a living very book. much so. Yeah, and you know, for uh, this generation, and and you know, just really with the we talked about the increase in technologies from the accessibility of, of entertainment, whether it's uh you know, looking on your computer, to your phones, to your TVs, people for some reason gravitate towards they'd rather listen to people commentate on the Bible rather than reading the Bible themselves. Absolutely, Absolutely. And I mean I would rather nobody listen to us and read the Bible instead. We have too many sources in this world. Um you know people are, are listening to what's on the news, they're listening to what other commentators say, what other you know preachers say. When there is no barrier in between yourself and the Lord, you can get that information firsthand by reading the Bible right. and prayer, and that's how everybody should do it and then, with that discernment and understanding, go out into the world and uh, discern what's going on rather than being told what's going on uh, or you know hearing opinions from the we have too many people that talk
4: and not enough people who listen to the lord absolutely absolutely and 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 the answer to that is because it's easier. Mm-hmm. Right, it, like you know, I can't read the Bible on the treadmill. I can listen to you guys on the treadmill, and that's fine. I listen to you guys on the treadmill, but but you know, people are we keep people so busy these days that they they are apportioning their time into smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller segments. So they want the sound bite, and. And really true good Bible reading comes from relationship with the Lord, right? I mean, you can read it and it can be dry as toast, but it's really, it's really letting the Holy Spirit shine through it and enlighten it that makes it into something, you know, I, I, I really do honestly believe that, um, let me, let me just step back for a second. Um, I was telling Doug and Joe this last night and John, um, this this man that was the good looking priest uh challenged me. He said, like, you know, you love scripture so much. It'd be good if you could kind of put down in a book why you love scripture. And it'd be something we could give to people and and so I have a I have written a book called The Challenge, um, uh, that's sitting on the shelf. And I I, I I probably need to go over it one more time. But it's the whole idea of the challenge is to entice people to, to, to read the Bible and start looking for these wonderful, wonderful connections. Um, and I'll just do one. We, we started this last night at the table, but I, I did take the time to look them up today. Every little thing, right? When people will say that the Bible is just a bunch of bagats. Okay. If you really, really start to study and you really, really start to look at it. The, from Adam to Noah are these generations, right? It's Adam and then Seth and then Enosh and then Canaan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. Okay. But when you translate those names to what their meanings are, right? So those are the Hebrew names. But what they mean are Adam means man, Seth means appointed, Enosh means mortal, Canaan means jealousy or sorrow. Mahalalal means blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Anak means dedicated. Methuselah means his death shall bring. Lamach means the despairing. Noah rest. Put them all together. It says man is appointed moral sorrow, but blessed God shall come down to the dedicated, and his death shall bring about shall bring the despairing rest. That the the very gospel message is printed in. The begats from Adam to Noah. There are so many things like this in the Bible. And, you know, there, there was a, a study done. I, I, this is a very hard one to quote because it was done by Soviet scientists and, and I, and we don't really have the, the, um, the record. So it's, it's more anecdotal than I would like it to be. But there was a scientist who had I mean, thing, frogs' eggs, and he, sh- he had salamander DNA, and he used bright lights and shone the um the lights through the salamander DNA onto the frogs' eggs, and they hashed as salamanders because he changed the DNA, and 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 I submit to you that. The power of the Holy Spirit shining through the DNA of the Bible changes people's lives. It 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 is it is not just a little thing. I think it's a real thing. I think people's lives literally change from the Word of God shining into their DNA.
1: That's an amazing um, comparison. I, I, would it be an analogy? I suppose. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think DNA. Speaking of that, DNA also plays a role in in our salvation. I think so too. I, you know, I, I'm not sure how. We hear Ted Brewer talk about it. We hear others talk about it. But but I, I do believe that uh, uh, a person's DNA does change um, when 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 they're saved, genuinely saved. Now, I I do believe we do have to take a bottom of the hour break. Uh, so we 're up against that our guest in studio we still got two minutes, yeah we do
4: okay i can' I
1: cannot read that so we 're going to get you a clock with big <laughs> uh,
4: yeah
2: with the big numbers on it or maybe uh, a big
1: digital clock but, but our, I, I just want to tell people our guest mm-hmm. in studio is t c okay. Joseph, the author of this generation series of, of novels and it 's just great to have him. uh great to have him here in studio first book is mm-hmm. precipice, then Pentecost, then penance is the uh Third, third in the trilogy, but it's, you, but it's
4: not a trilogy, Doug. Or well, I, I, that, no, I mean it's only a trilogy right now, I, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, because yeah. I left way too many things hanging at the independence. Um, yeah, by definition, I guess you're right. Yeah. So the yeah. next book is Perugia, which is a Greek word that means the coming of the Lord, um, and the fifth book is precedent. It, this generation really takes place from 1948 through now, but I started in 69. Um, and because, you know, what, the history of this is originally it was Pen- Penance, I'm sorry, Precipice and Pentecost were one book, but it was one nasty long book. And what I, before I sent it to the publishers, and what I wanted to do, I chose the sixty nine seventy nine cetera because for each of those years, I chose real life or real life events that might be on on a little bit on the fringe of of reality so I wanted nineteen sixty nine because we landed on the moon, and there are tales of ham operators who said that they that they heard two minutes of speech that NASA blocked out where armstrong and um Oh, Neil Armstrong, who, who was it? Buzz Aldrin? Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. Uh, spoke of seeing, um, alien ships on the moon watching them. Yep. Let's, let's, let's stop right there for the red up against the break. We're going okay. to want to come back and
2: pick up right here on the other side. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman Report with our in-studio guest, TC Joseph. Our last segment coming up right after this.
3: We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Army's kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you.
4: Check out our American Heritage journeys Kit at www.ChangeLosalwoods.com.
3: Your life may depend on it.
2: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our final segment on this Monday, August 28th, edition of the Hagman Report. We have in-studio guest T.C. Joseph with us, and we've been getting into a whole number of different issues, talking about his books, talking about his life, and Bible prophecy, and everything in between. Uh, Right before the break, you were talking about the
4: astronauts, uh, Neil Armstrong Uh, and Buzz Aldrin. Yeah, yeah. so um, I was was saying that um, Pentecost and Precipice were originally one book and for each of the years i, I had, would put in a, a little bit of copy from from events that happened in those years and i really really wanted 1969 because uh it, it, you know fit into the whole alien deception thing and there are ham operators who who claim that they heard 2 minutes were there's 2 minutes of silence in the transmissions from the moon that ham operators claim that they heard buzz aldrin and neil armstrong saying that there were alien ships watching them as they, as they stepped onto the moon. Um, so that, that's how I ended up picking 1969 as a starting point. But, but the real last generation comes about with, my, with the, uh, establishment of Israel. So the fifth book in the series is Precedent and it, um, it goes back in time to show us the, um, the MK Ultra effect on the, on the families that were, that are that you've been reading for the whole, for the whole series. So it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of fun. We're starting to build that mystery now in penance. Uh, in, in penance, uh, the character Michael happens on a photo that is very old, but it has all, most of the characters in the book together, even though they didn't know each other at the time. So okay. he's trying to figure out what happened there and, and, and that will come about in precedent. Um, we have just a second. I, I just want sure. to thank Lisa H. Uh, she's in the chat, and she said that she just bought all three books. And and Lisa, you know that you probably moved me to four hundred sixty-five dollars. I'm really, really psyched. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. No, that's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. We got a great
2: audience, and uh, you know, they're always. um It's always great to have that live interaction. You know, and you just reminded me. Maybe I should look in my e- email here, look in the studio email, and see if anybody had sent any questions <laughs> or anything haven't been paying attention to the email but uh no it's great and it's always we were talking off air about the the flow of the show the tempo and uh what it's like to listen versus be here in studio and um the different dynamics of that i was
4: saying the break seems so much longer when you're listening yeah yeah Yeah, they do
1: that's uh, i've heard that and um it's interesting because people do say, "Oh, your breaks are way too long, your intro is way too long," and relative to other shows of this nature, they're actually shorter.
4: So, go figure. Yes, I mean, I love your intros. Although I'm an old listener, I'm a diehard. You know, in my mind, I always hear, "Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, right. the prosecution is <laughs> not going to get that man." That was a great, great. That was a great lead-in.
1: Yeah, we—that's uh, been with us since the beginning, I think.
4: Nearly the beginning, yeah. That's, well. so anyway, I don't yeah. know if if um, I could just go back on this. If the, but the but the book Precedent will be the last book in this series, and um, it will talk about um, the character Benny is so foul,
5: mm-hmm.
4: and and there's some really good explanation as to why he became who he did, and and so we'll find out in Precedent. It takes place in the 1948 through 1969 period. And we'll learn a little bit about MK Ultra. We'll learn a little bit about um, what secret uh, Chris's parents knew that caused their murder. And so, you know, like when in, in the book Penance, we're, we're looking at a photo of, um, an old photo of all the characters that was taken before they even knew each other. And they don't know how this photo was taken, but we'll find that out in Precedent. I, I got to ask you: are, are, Have you gotten
1: any blowback about the books, either from Muslims or Christians? And and I'm framing that.
4: I'll just leave it at that. The biggest blowback: um, My mother started to read it. She got to page nineteen and said, "I didn't read smut before my stroke, and I'm not reading smut now."
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so she um. <laughs> She also doesn't... It's weird. I'm not sure if it's because of the stroke or because she's just being her. But um, she maintains she can never remember the word um, precipice. So she always tells people I wrote a book called Pissaret.
3: <laughs> um
4: <laughs> That's pretty funny, <laughs> but but no, I haven't had you know. I, I probably don't have the readership to have blowback like that. Um, I've had blowback from Christians. Uh, somebody wrote on Amazon, uh, "I've been a Christian all my life, and these books aren't Christian." But I beg to differ in that. I yeah. really do think I Christian. do too. I mean, I would. Uh, I mean, I didn't mean
1: to stop you there. I, I just I, I see, the, and the reason I ask is because uh, I don't think there's anything inappropriate in the books, um, you know, about, about mom, hey mom, Jack, <laughs> anyway, uh,
4: uh, about the, uh, uh, about smut, no, it's but we, not, we, you know, we, the book, you know, Pre- Precipice starts off with a 17-year-old girl dressing up and going into a bar specifically so she can get pregnant, so she can stop nighttime terrors from aliens who she thinks are trying to impregnate, her. R- right, and that's what my mother reacted to, and I think probably that's what the the woman who wrote this comment reacted yeah. to. Um, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures, and in all fairness, Kim in the book wasn't a Christian in a, at that point, right? I mean, right. And 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 I think we find a, we see a lot of characters um, grow, and, and 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 some grow toward evil, some grow toward good. But, but there's a, there's a lot of character development, a lot of character growth, and those, those ones who grow toward good, we, we see them repeatedly. We see characters, um, making a profession of faith in Jesus and, and and their lives being changed. So I think that's, that's the ultimate Christian novel. Now, it, you know, it's not Little House in the Prairie, right? I don't have Mon, Pawn, Oatmeal. I just don't have that. It's just not, it's just not what I've got. Um, and I, I don't think it would, I don't think it would work. Um
1: this it, works a lot better.
4: Yeah, it, not for what I'm trying to convey. And, and, and right. it could be, you know, and maybe it plays better to guys, right? I like action movies. I don't like um I, you know, like like Dances with Wolves really wasn't my wasn't my movie, right? It just <laughs> it just wasn't. And so uh,
1: look folks, in 5 Minutes of Die Hard, okay, contains more uh ab- objectionable material than than his books. So
4: but, but we do and, and again it's it's never gratuitous like like I talked about that sodomy incident it happened right but it's not explicit at all it's, it's right. barely even mentioned but, it, but it, listen there are evil people in this world who do evil things yes yes and my evil characters do evil things um, and, and that's that's the reality
1: of it uh, you know how can it just amazes me and I apologize if this is out of um, out of of sync here but it amazes me Christians can accept the beheadings of Christians or say oh well that's you know or rationalize um, Muslims beheading Christians yet be offended by the material
4: uh, by a a curse word in a book right I just don't understand that mentality You, you know there's a point if i write enough books after the challenge <laughs> you know there uh, rabbis have this thought that prophecy isn't only the words that are that are written by the prophets but prophecy is also pattern and i'm witnessing a pattern now that disturbs me you know when when israel broke into two nations israel and it became israel and judah um they couldn't get along and they started to make alliances with the nations around them. And I see both Protestant churches and Catholic churches making, uh, making inroads to Islam instead of to each other, right? We, we need as Christians, I'm not saying in some broad ecumenical sense, but I'm saying as Christians, we need to love and support each other. Uh, we, we, we need not to kill our 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 weak and wounded right we need to right. we need to love them and bring them along with us uh and 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 we're not we're not good at that i and and you know what what's what's the song like they will know we are christians by our love by our love maybe that's why people don't respect us we're not showing the love no
1: and that's a very good point in fact um yeah, I, I don't want to use any, any examples because every, all, all the examples that I have are, are, are you know, are you now. But, but you're right. Um, we have a tendency to to, uh, to to frag one another,
4: to to, to uh, you know,
1: friendly yeah, fire one another.
4: But here's what I'll say to you in terms of the pattern, right? What happened to Judah? What happened to Israel? They were destroyed. Yep. And, and i and i fear that for us right i mean we are setting ourselves up to be absorbed into a global religion and and you know i don't know mm. well that's, you know the the
2: goal is the eradication of of religion at least to the extent where the one religion that they want everybody to uh, become part of is the uh, satanic anti christ you know right. one world religion in the end and what better way to do that Than to turn the world against All the established religions already And we see how they've done it with Christ- Christianity How they've weaponized Islam Some will argue that it was weaponized Since its inception But they are uh, Even with the Pope is Spearheading this this agenda and Of uh, spiritual bankruptcy And going to replace it with something else Whatever that may be But the the Christ, many of the Christians or many of the people what was it um, I forget who brought the statistics out 70% of, of Americans identify themselves as Christian that,
4: but that, it's that a that much was... smaller percentage who actually practice Christianity that's true I would
2: say a, a, a fraction of a fraction of those 70% and you know that gives the rest of the Christians uh, a bad name and you know this uh, political economic condition and climate that we have in this country right now it is stirring everybody up into a frenzy where people are ready to fight or you right. know ready to right. get out there and and fight those who are causing the the fights in the first place and it's taking when people are putting politics and other things in front of their faith and their religion it's so easy to dilute your own it is. faith it is. in that way
4: and you know and and we, and we hear like i i thought pastor langford did a great job last week where he's saying like you no know, n- nobody's teach nobody's preaching holy living nobody's preaching repentance and and he's right about that, or or very few people are. I mean clearly uh Franklin Graham and Ann Graham Lotz are. Um but I think part of it I, I, I want to say this the right way. See, I could never be a pastor. And 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 the reason for that is somebody would say, Pray for me, and I'd say, Well, let me see, are your knees bruised? Have you been praying? Because the the reality of it is they do need to preach those things. But a relationship with Christ naturally leads you to those things, right? If you're on your knees and you're in the Bible, you are going to come to repentance because the Holy Spirit is going to be checking you and saying, you know, maybe you shouldn't have said that. Maybe you shouldn't have done that. Maybe you need to get clean from this. And and so I I I do think we need to preach those things, but we need to enable people to have a walking, living, breathing, loving relationship with the Lord. That's what it's all about. This is better than any conversation
1: I've had after, you know, church services or even after many Bible uh, study groups. Uh, it's usually because it's just you yelling and, and kicking something. <laughs> and, and that's not true. <laughs> but, but. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Everybody in the studio is laughing because they know.
1: Yeah. They know. Well, but, but. No, the conversation. I think this conversation is important. As we as we hear about a missile being fired by North Korea over Japan, as as we look at perhaps entering into this third world war, as as we look upon next year being the 70th anniversary of Israel becoming a nation, and then of course the events celestial events of this September. What better thing to talk about? What better time to talk about it than right now? In the Middle East, what
4: we've seen—the
1: decimation of the Middle East
2: and the eradication of the Christian religion in in Syria and Iraq, where it's been, you know, thousands of years the the main religion there. A lot of things, both uh, in the Bible and the things that are happening politically and economically, seem to be converging, and uh, it seems to all. Come, around, I mean, we had the the blood moons a few years right. ago, the tetrads, and the, we just had this eclipse. There's going to be another eclipse in 20, uh, 20 2024, which will um, it'll be coming the other way. Where this eclipse is going to create an <laughs> X, an X, an X right, right in right in yeah. America, and many people are taking that as a, as an omen or as a sign uh, that America is doomed. We have the September 23rd planetary right. alignment, and we have the the wars, the rumors of wars all these things you know it's creating the perfect storm the the rise of the ai technology yep. the one
4: world government so the question then in, in 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 from a personal standpoint is let's say all these things are coming to fruition or let's say they're not coming to fruition in the light of it though can you really afford to hate somebody who doesn't agree with you politically can you really afford to to be you know i i think that things like facebook provide enough anonymity that people say things that maybe they wouldn't say to your face oh yeah but but the the problem isn't what they're saying the problem is what they're feeling and and you know can can you afford that or would you rather live your life in a more lighthearted way i um hmm. we talked about this last night but i had a i had a real hatred for uh, osama bin laden and God wouldn't let me get away with it. He made me pray for him every day until I didn't dislike him anymore. And it's not not even didn't like him. I didn't dislike him. I felt bad at the reports that he was shot in the face. Um, see, because God can make those changes in people. I couldn't have done that on my own, but He had me do it, and He He provided the the energy for that. And and I think that you know if we can just kind of channel into that a little bit, I don't think God wants us number 1 to be fighting with each other but i don't think he wants us fighting with the world either i think he wants us winning the world with love you know mm-hmm. what what jesus says that we're about we're we're to be about his business until his return and we need to do that but there's only one way to do that and that's pretty much in his spirit because we you know we're not i'm not smart enough i know that and i'm not um i don't have the energy that it takes to live, uh, in, in, like in forgiveness of people. I, but it, but it, but with him, I can do it. I, you know, I'm half Italian. I have a, I, I grew up with a really Italian temper, which isn't there anymore. Thank God. (laughs) But it was, it was caustic. It was really, really, really bad. Um, on occasion it flares, but, but generally no. Um, and, and, and you know that's what we we have to understand that we're responsible for the things we do, we're responsible for the things we write, and if it's amazing, right? We, we again, I was saying to Doug last night, the books may never sell, but I'll never be a celebrity because I don't have a sex tape, and um, <laughs> it took you, know, you minute have minute. to have <laughs> a sex tape if you want to be <laughs> a celebrity, right? Uh, but but it's amazing, right? These people are suddenly embarrassed by the things that they've taped, but if you actually live. In, in a mindset that everything that you do is being recorded in heaven. I mean, my God, you really, really want to, you know, you, you want to hear, well done, faithful servant. You don't want to hear, holy cow, you know, yeah. you got in by the skin of your teeth. Um, so
1: Yeah exactly. you
4: have to really, really think before you speak and you have to really think before you act. And and that's hard these days because life moves so quickly. A lot of times you don't have time to think.
2: Well, real quick here, um, one area we didn't get into is the economy. We mm-hmm. see the stock markets at all-time highs. Yeah. We know there is the uh, mm-hmm. the consumer confidence that has grown since Trump has taken office, but we'd still have the massive uh, twenty trillion dollar national debt. We have bubbles in the housing
4: market and just about every market—student loan, auto. Any thoughts on on what to expect? Yeah, you know, I've been predicting a, uh, a correction for years and years, and it's never come. And I'm I'm thinking that we we might not see one soon because uh, well, it'll, if it happens, it happens in the fall. They always happen in the fall for some reason but um so we might have a bit of a correction but i don't think we'll see a 5000 uh, uh number but i but i do think that um stocks are overly inflated but i think that that is probably uh a symptom of the the money that we've we've just pumped into the economy right and so the stocks are high the stock market is high their values are high but the dollar is worth so much less now that it's kind of a hard comparison to make right i mean we flooded the market with dollars a dollar buys a lot less um so i don't think we'll i don't think we'll crash oh, back down you got to that 5, right 000.
1: you got that right
4: but that debt what is that and, and here's my issue on all of that do you know how much money 20 trillion dollars is where did that go it had to go to black ops things it had to go to yeah. building underground um sanctuaries for people who are afraid of what's coming it had to go to secret space program or something but it, it, you can't right. you it, it it's it, it's not going into social security and welfare benefits 20 trillion dollars is a significant amount of money mhm and we we really i mean i don't know i i you could do it i mean we can do a white house petition to 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 ask for an accounting for all of us as to where that twenty billion went, twenty trillion went, and you know it might take them five years to try to analyze it, but wouldn't that be fun? To yeah. just have the American people sign a petition saying, "This is what we want: we want an analysis, a set of financial statements that show us cash in, cash out, borrowings. Where did this money go?" And, and
1: even at that, even with that request, the Massive. uh To drill down, you'd have to drill down in so many areas. I'm not even sure it would that take would take a be trillion possible. dollars for them to have the manpower to uh, do wow. it. Wow!
4: <laughs> but but you know, this is something that we should, as citizens, be able to ask for. Yes, it's all our debt. That's true. Wow, I mean, and and it's not—I mean, it's really not a hard thing, right? I mean, what, what is what is the criteria on a White House peti- petition? A hundred, a hundred fifty thousand,
1: a hundred thousand—I I think, Joe, hundred thousand uh, signatures, I
4: believe. It's it's something like that—a hundred thousand, yeah. hundred fifty thousand. You know, and 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 what American wouldn't want to just know where it went? I agree. with no recrimination. Let's just—we can't fix it till we know where the holes are. Show us where the holes are.
1: Interesting, interesting. Wow. well Joe. Uh, uh TC Joseph is our guest. This generation series of novels. Um, yeah, we've about got six about minutes. yeah six minutes. The floor is yours. Uh, I, and I want to thank you for for being part of our being in studio. I mean, this is a treat for us, and you, you you've really made our day. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of listeners. I'm seeing the comments. uh You've really made a lot of people's day. But uh, closing thoughts: the, the floor is yours.
4: Well, I want to tell everybody out there. You know, you, you see Doug and Joe uh, on the show, and 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 you wonder what they're like in real life, and uh, if possible, they're actually nicer in real life. Um, <laughs> they are. They, they, listen, they have just been so warm and so welcoming and so kind um, that I, I just I can't say enough about them. They've been they've been a joy, an absolute joy, and I'm really really excited to be an in studio guest here. Um, you know, I I wouldn't say I pushed it, but I really, really wanted it because I have not done a lengthy interview at all. And um, I was a bit afraid of stage fright if I just did this by Skype, right? It, I really wanted the opportunity to sit down to dinner with you and really, really just talk and get to know you. And and I really, really liked what I saw. Uh, the, the whole family, um, the, you're just a really, really lovely group of people. Wow and thank you so and, much. And, and and even eric um <laughs> he is loud though <laughs> yeah he talks all the time right
1: uh yeah you know we we are very fortunate we're blessed we're we're blessed to have you um i consider kind of our extended family uh and and we're just so blessed to have this dynamic among one another but among our guests as well and um wow. And you
4: do this—you do this all over the world. I mean, this is—I yeah. was saying this to Joe on one of the breaks, and he said, "Actually, I don't like to think about that while we're on <laughs> the air." So, but but you know, you, you touch people's lives all over the world. It's kind of amazing, right? What you've been able to do is is really astounding, and it's you know, it's it's God blessing you, but it's also you guys having a willing heart uh, uh, to listen to Him. And to and to take bold steps, you've taken some very bold steps on faith, and, yeah, on faith, yeah. And and people have um have slapped you for some of those, and and you've had to really kind of turn the other cheek and keep going, and and that's that's pretty amazing too. You know, as, lo- as long as God doesn't slap us, no, you know. Um, and I think as long
1: as we, as we remain obedient to to the calling and don't stray from that, or or don't. We just have to listen and be obedient, and and I think we'll be
4: fine. Um, yeah. Now I have to say, I I because I'm caring for my mother, and I don't get to listen to you guys live, so I never get the opportunity to do this. But sometimes, Doug, you'll go off on a rant, and I want more than anything to write in or call in and say, like, Tagman, stop speaking my mind because <laughs> you're saying things that I, you know, that I really am thinking anyway. And 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 I think you do that for a lot of us. I think you're. You know, you, you have a really good way at, at of crystallizing what's going on in the news, and and if it's anger, it's righteous anger, and and um, it, I think you do us a real service. Well, thank you. And one of the most
1: one of the greatest criticisms I ever saw about one of my rants was when, when somebody wrote, "When he gets going, he sounds like Elmer Fudd."
4: Oh, more Yeah,
1: you know, b-dee, 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 b-dee. Uh, but I thought, how true is that? Because I get like tongue tied and, and, you know, I got all this, these thoughts going and I can't really speak. Uh, you know, I'm not an eloquent speaker, but, but boy, I'll tell you, I know what's in here and sometimes it doesn't get. Processed well up here, but I know it's in here uh but thank you for that and and you know it's it's uh, again the, the dynamic here is just something that the, works
4: The rapport you do have is really really great and yeah. and and I was talking to Joe about that he said, you know th- you spend so many hours in a surveillance car <laughs> you, you just <laughs> you yeah. just you, you really you just get to know each other so well and it you know that's a rare thing too um adult son and father having being able to be that close. Uh, and um, you know, working together like this, and surprise, it's, he's still living. Well, so, so many hours a day. I mean, these guys work tirelessly, folks. I mean, and and so they're in each other's face a lot, and and it, and it's it's all done very lovingly, which is pretty pretty neat. You you know, I think it's pretty enviable. Well,
1: thank you. TC Joseph has been our wonderful in studio guest. TC Joseph, um, this generation series, folks, please. Uh, get him over that $500 mark. You can do it. You can do it. Go to Amazon. 501. Come
3: on. We're going for 501.
1: Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you know. No, but but but, seriously, he's been a wonderful, wonderful guest. He's a brilliant man. He really is. You know his story now. And just about a wide range of topics he's very, very, has been very articulate about. And uh, we, we just we, we love him. Uh, we We really do. I mean, he's a class act. And I think him for taking the time to come to the studio and appear on camera that's dc joseph this generation series of novels um three more coming and of course get them on amazon get those numbers up there and we'll
2: have to do this again yeah, yeah we're That would be great fun that would be great yeah. fun yeah
1: well all right we're gonna be watching the situation unfold in houston of course with the floodwaters and yeah, we're it's gonna not over there's this they're, they're still
2: calling for anywhere uh, from ten to twenty more inches of rain, looking like totals around fifty to fifty-five inches of that's rain. A, there's a, another situation there with the that. with it. There's two dams. Um, the names of the dams are. That be horrible. Oh
1: my goodness! Not
2: important. I do have them here somewhere. They in know where of they are down there. But if that, I'm I'm hearing that. In the next eight hours, those dams are going to be overflowing, so they're going to do some controlled releases, which is going to put a lot more people in danger, especially if it continues to rain and the floodwaters continue to rise. So that's not over by any – it's not over yet. They're forecasting that system to be over in Texas until Thursday or Friday. Keep keep
1: them in in, in your prayers as well as 222 missions – yeah, her listener and her daughter, and we're going to be uh, keeping an eye on the Korean Peninsula situation, uh, as well as well as all of the every headline that that you read. We're on top of it. And don't forget the two daily shows: the Doug Hagman Show,
2: nine to ten; the Hagman Daily Show, two to three. You can hear it and get it archived on Blog Talk Radio, as well as the archive on iTunes or any podcast apps. That'll do it for us tonight. Till tomorrow, stay safe. God bless. Have a great evening let <laughs>